0: Gentlemen, let's broaden our minds. Lawrence? From Riverwalk Studio, this is the Cubic Shenanigans Warhammer Podcast. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Cube, the Cube, the Cube, the Cube, the Cube. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 81 of the Cubic Shenanigans Warhammer podcast. I am your host, Dan. And I'm Brendan. Brendan, it's time to recall the glory that was your event. Yeah, Bruce City
1: Brawl 3.1 we had last weekend. It was a 3,000-point event. We started with 45 players. We had space for 50, but we had some last-minute drops, but... Yeah, we're going to be talking about that. And then we're going to be talking about the FAQs. Now that we've had the FAQ and the FAQ to the FAQ, I think we have some clarity on what it is we can realistically be discussing here with you today from a technical perspective.
0: And as we talked about before, we are not going to do a two-hour show on the FAQs. We're going to pick out the highlights that we feel are the most important to most players and go over those and just give you a real quick rundown of what it means.
1: Yeah, things that are worth knowing, things that may affect your army things that are worth knowing about what your opponent army can or cannot do right now going into the
0: future and it will be a briefing uh, yeah with a stress on the brief Uh, that's kind of what we're going to do and that's it for today looking forward to that brendan and let's dive right into whispers from the war sure hello my name is inigo montoya you killed my father prepare to die in hobby in the last none. two like, weeks? <laughs> haven't
1: built anything. Uh, yes. I uh, Haven't painted anything. You know, I ran a tournament. I don't yeah, know if that hello. counts as
0: hobby. Yeah. But yeah, none. Absolutely zero. Now, I'm the same way. I have not built or painted anything. But my big deal was I wanted to get all my hobby stuff reorganized, put away, you know, kind of call some things. Because I had... You know, all my paint stuff was just all over the place because all my rush before the last couple tournaments and the other bedroom where Cindy's office is in the condo, I just had things laying all over the place, and it was hard to find stuff. And but anyway, mm. so I just spent like two days, three days, kind of spread out worth of work getting all that stuff done. You know, it was a last ride for my night haunts, so I ended up transferring them from my transport bag to a, a static magna rack. That doesn't have the sliders. True. And so all of my Night Hunt Army, literally except for the Coach and Raikonur, <laughs> are over on a shelf, which drives Sydney nuts. <laughs> and Drog, all those things are, they're big models. So all that stuff is on shelves, but everything else is on that Magna Rack. It took a while. And then I put all the Soul Blight stuff that I have, which is my Zombies and my Skellies, into my travel bag now. I got all my projects, things that I've built for my Soul Blight. I've got those kind of tucked away and ready to paint and prime and all that stuff they've been built but i haven't gone any past that Mm -hmm. but no building or painting as you said this last couple weeks so yeah that's what we get you know it's in between time and we'll talk about some things coming
1: up here yeah i've got an event or two i have to make some decisions here
0: shortly (laughs) yeah for sure we have Warclans. The Sigmarines are finally here, and the first wave was obviously the books. But the
1: books and some of the units. We got and a couple of chariots.
0: We got the Traga thing that was yep. kind of the rule for that's kind of cool, where it can get a bazillion attacks.
1: Yeah, he gets a lot. They're relatively good damage. It's a relatively good profile. The nice thing is, is that the troll doesn't get the cruel boys' venom weapon yeah. command trait,
0: which. That's okay. (laughs) Totally fine. And then we got the bow. We got got the Knight's Arcanum that came in like a pair, I guess, one on a mount, one without a mount. Mm -hmm. That was kind of cool, which sold out immediately. Uh, And then we got pre-orders yesterday that came out. So the rest, basically the rest of the Cruel Boys, big things like vultures and that crawly thing, the big crawly thing that does that. Yeah. Um, We still have some troops and stuff that we need to see come out of it. mm -hmm. You know, the Stormcast are still looking for their Annihilators and Mm -hmm. a couple of the heroes. And mm-hmm. the Gut Rippers, I guess, came out too. Yeah. So they're troops. They're regular orcs. Quote, mm-hmm. regular. Yeah, the spear and hand weapon shield guys. Yeah, so they all came out. So a lot of stuff on the street that you can look at. And have you heard that Nurgle was like the next thing? Do we get any kind of semi-confirmation? I've not seen it I think anything. that was rumor is yeah. when I heard it. I think I've, it was I've somebody guessing. Anything. Yeah, so we don't know yet. All right. Warhammer Plus, I just want to mention it again because... Some people we know have signed up for it. It's getting very mixed reviews. We got some people who were loving it. They're really enjoying it. There's some people who are saying, I'm just not getting my value out of it and kind of have a little bit of buyer's remorse going on. But we knew that was going to happen with people. Again, as we said in the last episode, consider your options. uh, See if it's going to be valuable to you. Really take a look at it before you commit your dollars. Yeah, whatever you decide is whatever you decide. Good to bet. We got the AOS app and there's a beta. Yes. That's come out. Yeah. So the beta came out uh, the middle of this
1: last week. You know, there's some interesting things on display Mm -hmm. with it. It's more complete than I thought it was going to be. Sure. Right now they've given you access to like, you know, army books and stuff like that. The new battle tomes come with codes in the back so that you'll be able to load load that up into the app, which is cool. Yeah. And you have the notes on here because I agree the current list builder in the app, it Outputs list in an entirely unreadable way. There is no human mind that
0: can read that format and regularly comprehend what it is. The Azir. It's called Azir. So War Scroll Builder is the way to go. And it's good, and they update War Scroll Builder all the time. I mean, when I was putting together my list for... Yeah, Tony Pachenko turns it around. It's one guy, Dan. Yeah, I know. War Scroll Builder is easy to read. It's easy to use. The processions are in there. Everything was in there that I needed to build an army. And I just hope... I hope that they can come up with something like that. Or my preference would be, let's just keep War Scroll Builder as an option. It's a free option, at least for list building. You know, if you, you want to put all that other stuff in the app, that's great. Don't take away mine. Well, and they can put list
1: building in the new app. Right. But it needs to be in an output format that is legible. Sure. Like, and yeah, it's all English. You know, it has all the things in there. But just the way it structures it out, like, you know, people will send me, you know, lists via text messages or messenger or something like that, you know. As we're talking about things, and the new format that I've been getting from the new app is just terrible. I just hate it. Yeah, it like <laughs> there's. So I don't see any value add in that. I'm hoping that they put some time and effort into what that output looks like as a TO. When I'm asking for lists on the front end to review them, mm. I ask specifically right now for the PDF version of War Scroll Builder. Sure. So that I can read it. And I can Mm -hmm. go, that's right, okay, this is it, okay, this matches, this matches, this matches, this is good, okay, done. Right. It's only a couple of minutes, Mm -hmm. tops, unless I have to, you know, go open a book and make sure that, you know, this combination of things is eligible. We'll see. And it's just like, it's just a weird formatting thing. And maybe it's just because it's new, but like the way the lists not the list, the war scrolls look in the app. Is different, right? I don't know that I totally like it mm-hmm. in the new way, but yeah. we'll see. I don't know if it's a dislike because it's new or if I dislike it, you know, like the output for the list building because it's bad. Yeah. And I know with the list building is because it's bad. With the War Scrolls, I don't know
0: if I just don't like it because it's different. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. So we'll see. We'll find out soon enough, won't we? hmm <laughs> Okay, moving on then to games played. Old World, I tried it. I talked last time about trying it. And it's kind of a cross. Oh, I thought you meant the Warhammer fantasy. No, World. no, 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 like, no. <laughs> this is a yeah, game. Yeah. And it's kind of a cross between civilization and there was another game called Crusader Kings. Mm-hmm. And it incorporates both things. And it's just fantastic. It is just such a different way of doing things. For example, your leader's age. Now, when you play Civilization and you, let's say you pick Julius Caesar as your guy. Yeah, he's Julius Caesar from the year 2000 years. Yeah, Yeah, more, but yeah. Yeah, Yeah, and he never ages. So it's just really cool. And one of the interesting mechanics is is if you don't have any heirs, when your leader dies, you lose the game. You're out, you're done. It's just that little tiny thing is one of a million things that happen in the game. Mm -hmm. The way you win is you get points and you get points from developing your cities. And the military part is really interesting because you have the ability to negotiate trade deals and, you know, try to marry other people. You know, maybe you want to provide a a suitor for the Egyptian heir and you can help make your relations better and you can keep track of where you are on that scale. And man, you do not want to piss off somebody who's got this huge giant army next to your border and you know they're just waiting for the chance to jump but what's interesting is they don't always do that Mm -hmm. and if you do the diplomatic stuff that you need to do you can literally hold off this big army and they'll just be out there and you don't have to worry about them but all those things just fascinating Brendan and I'm really enjoying playing and I'm just hooked on it excellent game that's called Old World. Did you have you played anything besides
1: playing a lot of NCAA fourteen? Okay. Uh college football season kicks off and I yes. fire up my Xbox three sixty and of do some dynasty building. Cool, but cool. I won't bore everyone with the details there. I don't think people are super interested in the fact that I got bored with my Arkansas dynasty, trying to get the Purdue job, my offensive coordinator got the <laughs> Purdue job, uh, so I took the Ohio State job. I took over Ohio State after four seasons of like seven and six, six and seven.
0: Oh come on! And
1: I took over the roster. I was flabbergasted at how bad the team was on the oh, offensive God. side of the ball. The defense was okay. Yeah, that they had players on defense. Okay. Oh my God! They had no offensive line. Like they had players, but like. I had just recruited a, a five-star tight end at the end of the recruiting season as I took over the Ohio State job. And if I wanted to, he was my best left tackle. Oh, jeez. It's <laughs> like, oh no. That's trouble. Yeah. And the quarterback they have is a pocket passer. And so you can manage a bad offensive line in that game with some like BS option play, but you need a, a quarterback who can run the ball. Sure. I didn't have that. I'm in the midst of my first season with the Ohio State team, and okay. it has been deeply, deeply challenging. Well, that's good. You need that. You want that. I'm 6-0 right now. Well, and duh, that's like, not, it's Can't be that
0: challenging. Good. Well,
1: <laughs> the play calling is very different uh, when, you know, you have guys who... Don't even crack the 70s in terms of overall score. And the team you just left, every player is 90 plus on your starting roster. That's crazy. But I played a game against Dave Nordstrom. He came over with the new Stormcast book and I proxied out a list with the Cruel Boy stuff just to kind of get a gauge for what that book is because I've probably had about seven people send me a text message and not like from like our club, but people who know us like through listening or have met me at tournaments or things like that Sure, that aren't in like my immediate circle of friends saying, hey, you know, I saw the review, I saw all this, this book. Brendan Army. Absolutely oh, wow. a Brendan Army. Wow. And I'm like, okay, from arm's length, there wasn't a super ton of interest. I was like, there's some cool mechanics. And, you know, they previewed some things. I was like, yeah, you know, like this stuff is interesting. And, and I kind of like this. And as I was flipping through the book, I was like, okay, I see what they're saying. But I couldn't get the play style I like to play, you know, which is more combat oriented to match up with, you know, with what I think is good in that book. Okay. Now, that doesn't mean that that's not the case, but just on first impression. I built a list of what I thought was good in that book with the Cruel Boys, so it was just a bunch of shooting stuff. And I played against Dave, who had 12 Annihilators, 6 Thundercats, just an absolute sledgehammer of a list. Yeah. And the shooting and some of the combos I got moving around in that list, I just leaf-blowered his list off oh, the table. Man. I lost 16 Hobbrots, I lost my General on Vulture, and I lost one of the B-Skewer Ballista things. Mm-hmm. Like, if we had played the game out, he'd lost everything. Oh yeah, so, God. well, <laughs> yeah. Well, it's a lot better than the Cunnin' Ruck. Spend some time with it and kind of tool around with it. I think there's a really nice Big Wah list in there that incorporates the Iron Jaws and Cruel Boys as a pairing specifically. Sure. You know, I, I think the Bone Splitters have their place in a Big Wah list, but, you know, like, Everything just costs what it costs now. You can't put Mm. everything into the suit. You got to decide what ingredients you have. But I think that there is basically a big wall list where you play Iron Jaws with like 500-ish points worth of Cruel Boys, you know, just hanging out in the corner, just going pew, 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 pew. pew." Yeah. (laughs) That was interesting. I'd be very interested to play Dave's Stormcast list again with, you know, a more combat-oriented army because... You know, like I don't know what answers I have for some of what he was throwing at me sure. with with some other lists. Like if he had gotten his hands on me effectively, like it would have been mm-hmm. over. Okay, but you make it difficult for people to get their hands on you, and mm-hmm. it's a different story. Okay. So yeah, so that's what I've been doing. We have some events coming up. Obviously, we're going to talk about what happened at Brew City mm-hmm. here in the next segment. But you have RockCon and I have Dragonfall coming up. Five weeks. It's
0: not that far away.
1: Yeah. Gosh, I have to either paint an army or
0: decide what I'm taking because... you got enough stuff, man. You can... Oh,
1: but like...
0: I want to do something else.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's (laughs) there's definitely some of that. Like the Virkos list I've been running, I know it's good. I've proven that in practice and in in actuality. Cool. Do I want to spend more time on the night list? Maybe. Do I want to look at a, a Nagash list? Maybe. Do I paint the giants I bought? Maybe. Do I go hog wild and try and get uh, a Cruel Boys army painted that doesn't even have all of the models available right now? <laughs> sure. Maybe. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Like, we'll see. The Stormcast book is interesting. I have a bunch of Stormcast stuff too, sure. obviously. It's just kind of deciding like what I want to do and what I want to get out of the event. And I just don't know that right now. So. Okay. Coolio. Yeah. And then Holy Havoc in November. Yep. We've got that coming up. And for those of you that don't know, uh, the Michigan GT is the 2nd mm-hmm. and 3rd of October. I do believe they still have spaces for that. Two weeks. And then you have notes here on Ragnarok. I got no updates. I don't know. I haven't talked to Bryce about it. Okay. The next thing that'll be coming up here is Adepticon signups. Yeah, that hasn't been announced, but that typically is November. Yep. It's typically November. So I'd say keep an eye out on the Facebook page and their email lists and all that. Mm-hmm. Exciting.
0: That would be wonderful. Yeah, very. All right. Is that it? Man, we, not that much this time in mean, Whispers, but that's still no. a lot of different things. Yeah, we're done then. Yeah, woo. Next. <laughs> Woo-hoo. <Okay>. And next. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to move on, listeners, to Emperor Lies, talk about the fact and talk about Amazing Bruce City Brawl. Okay, we'll be right back.
1: I mean, what are we, a team? No, no, no. We're a chemical mixture that
0: makes chaos. We're, we're a time bomb. Brendan, yes. we're going to jump in with kind of a quick shot of the FAQs. And kind of go through some specific things. I, I think we can oh, geez. <laughs> do this in a lot of ways. But let's just go through our list. We, mm-hmm. Listeners, we put this together. And Brendan's going to do some clarification on things that are a little more complex. <laughs> and Dan's brain just can't wrap his hand around. So I'm waiting to get Brendan's feedback on these. Okay. The first one, which they've even talked about it. But just to restate it, that if you have redeployed a mm-hmm. unit, you cannot unleash hell with the same unit. Correct. Pretty straightforward. And I kind of wonder
1: why that needed clarification, because yeah. Unleash Hell says if you have moved in the turn, right. Right. you can't Unleash Hell. Well, you can only Unleash Hell in your opponent's turn.
0: Mm-hmm. So when else would you have moved? Yeah, right, <laughs> right. Yeah, it seems pretty self-explanatory, but they had an answer. So let's talk about ward saves. You're going to talk about ward saves Mm -hmm. because there's been so much back and forth about where it currently stands. What's the state of that? So post-FAQ
1: FAQ, which was the FAQ to the original release of the core rules in July, has us at a place where, and I think the easiest way to explain it is, if it looks and sounds like a ward save, it is. They have worded it in such a way where it casts such a wide net that if an ability, you know, negates a wound or mortal wound, really in any sequencing, it's a ward save.
0: Mhm.
1: Pairing that with the next bullet point is you can't use ward saves and bodyguard saves. So like the necromancer can pass off wounds to the skeleton unit, but anything that would still be allocated to the necromancer cannot have the deathless
0: minion save made for it. Okay. That's good, right? That's the You use one or the other. Yeah. But you could choose, so you could choose to take his deathless saves if you wanted, or you could choose to have skeletons die. Yeah. And I don't know why you'd choose to take deathless minions.
1: Yeah. Unless you were trying to protect that skeleton unit. But you know, fine. It gives you the choice. You don't have to do it. The fact that the wording was cast largely, you know, now means that it's just you get one, you only get one. If it sounds like a ward
0: save, it is. Right. So you only get two chances at most. Save. Right, a save. And And then then, your ward save Right, that's it. if if In whatever shape or form that comes in. Right. Okay, good. On the border, this has been a thing for a lot of us, kind of going back and forth, but I think it was clarified. Let's just kind of wrap it up here. The example here is if you have a deployment Mm -hmm. where you have a, a, let's say, a 12-inch line from the board edge, and you have two objectives on those, on your side of the board. So are those in or out of your deployment area? They are out. So they are not wholly within your territory. Right, they're out of your territory, not wholly within. So if you wanted to do uh, aggressive expansion, which is grab two. That are not wholly within your territory. You can grab the two that are in your deployment area. They're on the line. Yeah, right. Uh, So that's pretty good. You can't take, the next one is you can't take flaming weapons on a named character. Right, so you
1: can't take any of the universal spell enhancements on on named named characters. characters, not just flaming weapon.
0: Okay, and only one mount trait can be taken per mount. Mm-hmm. So if you have them out, just one. You, yep. you pick. And each trait can only be taken once over your army. So if you have a list of four, you can only take each one of those once. You can't take one of them twice or whatever else. So that's it. Pretty straightforward again. And now we come to horrors. Siege yes. Pink Horrors.
1: So they got a whole new War Scroll because I guess we decided that points couldn't fix it. And good for them because that is realistically the correct solution the horror war scroll in your battle tome throw it out Uh print out the new war scroll tape it on top (laughs) of the page it's a totally different war scroll profile five inch move six up save bravery 10 one wound cool we know that nothing weird there they have a missile profile 12 inch range the number of shots varies on the version of horror that you have they have a combat profile of a one inch range the number of attacks, again, varies. varies on what kind of horror you are. Two for iridescence, one for pinks, one for blues, two for brims. Fours and fours, no rend damage one. And then you must pick between split and petty vengeance on your list. So this has to be decided before the event. And the petty vengeance is the one that gives mortal wounds back. Yeah. Petty vengeance is mortal wounds. Splitting is more guys. So in terms of some of the things that are different on the scroll, each standard, instead of bringing guys back when you roll a one... Now in your hero phase, you roll a dice for every standard that you have in a horrors unit. Every three up you get a fate point. Cool. And then the musician adds one to the save rolls if you have any of them in the unit.
0: Now both of those would be pinks. Yes. So if those you take out all the pinks. pinks, you lose those two
1: Correct. benefits. Okay. Yes. The splitting the concept is the same, right? Right. A iridescent or a pink becomes two blues, each blue becomes one brimstone. Sure. However, now, horrors that split don't count towards Battleshock. Which is fine. And horrors that flee cannot split. But if you choose split, you cannot return any models to the unit that split. Ever. Mm -hmm. Under any circumstance. You can't use spells, you can't use endless spells, you can't use rally. If you're
0: using split when you die and split, that's it. You're gone. So example would be if I kill all ten of your pinks, they've all split let's say you pick split, Mm -hmm. they've all split into blues. Yep. I cannot bring those pinks back in any way. None. Okay. Cannot be
1: returned. If you take Petty Vengeance, though, you can return models. But the exchange for Petty Vengeance is when one of these models dies, you pick an enemy unit within one inch and roll a dice, and there's a table. It's three up for iridescent, fours for pinks, fives for blues, six for brims, and that unit suffers a mortal wound. Fine. I think this is an interesting change. I think people are still going to take the splitting, right? Because it is still, you know, 50 wounds that you have to get through. Right. Right. And that's still a tall order. You still have to kill 31 before you can even consider having them take a Battleshock test because right. splitting doesn't count towards Battleshock. So, yep. okay. Oof. yeah, okay. Yeah, they're Wound Sink. I mean, it's that's what they are for
0: very few points. It's but great. They're,
1: they're really squishy. They're a yeah. five up save for the pinks, and then sure. they're a six up the rest
0: of the way. Agreed. Okay. Five point costs, it's a lot of wounds. All right, cool. Thank you for that. That's yeah. great. The next one is the Archeon. Change well, one of the changes. So they had an artifact, the, or the Eye had, of Shireen. Yeah, or Shireen is, please. As some people call it. Basically, it lets you. It forced your opponent to reroll sixes to hit, mm-hmm. which for me was just a freaking nightmare. When my coach and my heritans were trying to do anything to him, it was just brutal. And now, basically, it turns once per room. battle. You get. Minus one to hit. So that's it. So he chooses, I'm going to burn my orb or whatever it is, and this turn, you are minus one to hit. So
1: this is a big deal because factoring in for anyone who listened to the Nashcon show, Archeon in a host Arcanum list is just naturally minus one for the whole game. Pairing that with the sixes, forcing the reroll on the sixes, that was a big deal. Now that you lose the forcing reroll sixes and your artifact realistically doesn't provide anything within host arcanum, that takes a step back from the power level of, of what he is. Inherently in the
0: host arcanum you're getting minus one to hit for everybody. Only demon heroes and it's a bubble. Right. And it, but he is a demon hero. He is a demon right, hero. Correct. Yes. Yeah.
1: That takes a step off the power level. He's still very powerful. No. He still does a lot of damage. He still can take a lot of damage. And he's
0: still very survivable.
1: Yes. This is just a something that, you know, knocks against
0: him as yeah. He goes from being almost unkillable to slightly more slightly less more unkillable. Yeah, exactly. The rest of us are happy, I'm just gonna tell you. Right. I love your archaeop players, but the rest of us are very happy with this. Right.
1: It, and it, it opens up natural predators to him. Something sure. like fifteen bow snakes with Marathi suddenly becomes oh, a yeah. totally viable means of dealing with this character. Yep. And he's got a four ward save,
0: does he not? Against mortals. Against mortals, right. right. Okay, yep.
1: But you're now actually getting the trigger that you were going to be able to have on your 15 bow snakes. Right. Whereas before, you weren't. Right. Introduction of that is going to remove that model from the presence that we saw it at before. Okay. On the upper echelon tables. Sure. still good. However... There are now more things that you have to be cognizant of.
0: Yep, okay. The next one is very simple and quick. The Varengard are now elites, yep. so they can give them souls orders.
1: As they should have
0: from Absolute. the start. Absolutely. Uh, the next one is, again, straightforward. spear is now minus two rend. Pretty straight up. Morathi's Spears rend has changed almost as much as Wildwoods have. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Speaking of that, that's one of the things we have on our list. So let's just, since you mentioned it, mm-hmm. let's just skip to that and talk about Wildwoods. So the Wildwood, the thing with that is...
1: Now it is the war scroll you see on the FAQ, and then you also use the navigating realm roots in your battle tome because the reference to using navigating realm roots being in the war scroll was removed, which means that it defaults back to where it should have been in the first place, which is in the book that you paid for. Okay. I feel like we've come full
0: circle on this particular okay. war scroll. But yeah. So this is another one where whatever the war scroll is in the FAQ. That's the war scroll. Copy it. Put it back in your book. Put in your
1: book. Yeah. It's probably several pages thick at this point because yeah. you've had to do this a few times. <laughs> and then use the Navigating Realm roots in your allegiance abilities. Okay. Because that's how that
0: works. Okay. Perfect. The next one is OBR and Arcan changes. Why don't you talk to us about those? So Arcan lost is mystical shield spam, mm-hmm. which is fine.
1: It's disappointing, right? Because that was one of the value picks that you would have seen at the time over Nagash because Nagash lost Mystic Shield spam as well. And his spam was that he could just cast more than one Mystic Shield. Yeah, he has three casting attempts, so he could cast it up to three times. Okay. Fine. The thing that changed with OBR was the change that basically every Bone Reaper player was lobbying for, which was just let us use our base command abilities as many times as we want. You're still stuck with, you know, cannot issue more than once and cannot receive more than once. Mm -hmm. Fine, but you can use shield wall across all of your Mortec guard. Which is the way it should have been. Yes. Absolutely. Especially since you can't use the command abilities in the 3.0 book. You have to use the ones that are in your army book or in... Your battle tome, you're like, let me use relentless discipline points that you've given me to move my army up instead of just one unit. Sure. It brings them up in terms of competitive power, which is good. Yeah. It doesn't break them, but they now don't feel, you know, totally limbless in their ability to execute on, you know, what you hope that the army does.
0: Okay. So we got a couple of things with KOs. First of all, the wizard that has the bowl. <laughs> the bowl that just you know the there's a spell you can't oh spell, spell in a bottle. yeah spell in a bottle spell in a bowl <laughs> spell in a bowl
1: spell in a soup bowl. <laughs> it is much more difficult to contain the spell in the bowl on one of Than the It isn't a bottle with the a bottle for the exactly.
0: So if you have the bottle with the spell and you have an endless spell in there, all this is said basically is your quote wizard who had that can't control the endless spell. Because he's not a wizard. Right. He is not a wizard, so it's not controllable. Fine. Just so you know that. And then the other one is that Flying High, which you can do, interacts with the Alpha Beast Pack Battalion now. Which I vehemently disagree with,
1: but that's the ruling. It is what it is. Yeah. It's so dumb, but
0: okay. Yep. So my only hope is whatever big... There's two big ships they can take, right? There's the Iron... I'm playing the frigate. In the frigate. Whichever one they take, all I know is I want to get at least 10 wounds on them so they can't fly high. <laughs> that's my goal, right? Okay. So that's it for KO. So the Munificent Wanderers, they had a bounce that gave you a six. On a six, they bounce back mortal wounds. Mm. So that changed now. So it's bouncing back on ones when you roll a hit. Yeah, so this removed the argument that
1: some people, I think, were making in less than good faith that this was actually a two effects triggering at the same time interaction. Mm. So, like, if you were hitting with a six and they, and, you know, your sixes to hit were two hits, but your opponent, your sixes to hit or a mortal wound back to you, you go, well, it's my turn, so I decide which effect triggers. Uh,
0: No. (laughs) No. No. And this is the way they fixed it. Okay, cool. You, you work around it, so... No. And there's some... Isn't there some interaction with the wither
1: stave This changed? So the wither stave has always been you have to re-roll sixes to hit. It now makes it so that you can do both of them and it feels good Right. To that's do. what I was going to say, yeah. Where, like, it felt less good, right? Because you were... Part of you was hoping that they would roll sixes, but, you know, now... You can force them to re roll the six and hopefully they land on a
0: one. Skaven giant rats, we clarified that, get two inch reach for their melee weapons. There we go. For their bite straight fine, yeah. whatever. S- right. No straight one straight up. People weren't taking them. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And the one happy thing for my night haunt is a I cruciator- think this is the only thing I sent you from the <laughs> <Yeah>. FAQ. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but it was great. That the Crusader save is a five up ward save now, not just against normal wounds. Mm-hmm. Which is Great. It was certainly helped a little bit in Brew City. You know, it helped make my 30 bricks much more resilient. Uh, That's for sure. So that was great. Cogs is an extra spell for one wizard. Not for everybody within a certain range, which was just insane. I talked about that in Nashcon, my opponent getting like 13 casts in that one turn. So dumb. It was. So good fix. Easy fix. Uh, You get one wizard that has an extra spell if they're within range. Is there anything else, Brendan, that's significant that you want to
1: include? Yeah, so I have a couple of bullet points here that I think are worth noting. For my Soulblight players, Vile Transference has changed. It still is lame, but now you roll against the full wounds characteristic of the unit that you are rolling against. Mm-hmm. If it's a Mega Gargan, it's 36. If it's a skeleton unit of 40 guys, it's one dice. You still have the Mortal Wound and Heal Exchange on sixes, so, okay, cast on a seven. Woo. Woo. In Seraphon, Engines of the Gods are priests now. That's crazy good, man. And I think it is. Yeah, and, and, really- and we clarified that Coalesced doesn't work against Mortal Wounds, so good go nuts <laughs> savage gains scoring was clarified that you get two points f- for each of the middle objectives that Correct. you control Yep. and then the vice clarified that the middle objective is a new objective in the middle of the board which is how every to i know has played it which is good that it made it that far great There is some smaller stuff there is some other things that were changed and that we didn't bring up and we didn't think were super worth mentioning here because yeah. they don't make sizable impacts but again always go look at your faq for the army for the cool rules make sure that you are playing with you know the kind of correct version of what it is that you have available to you you know the monstrous arcanum came out with this so all of your forge world stuff is in there and it tells you what all of your mm-hmm. forge
0: world stuff is and does yeah there are war scrolls for everything mm-hmm. so all right thanks brendan that's good yeah. and that's our coverage of the faq feq so we're going to move on at this point to bruce city And we're going to talk about the amazing event that happened just last week. We were just commenting, Brendan and I, that it seems like it's been forever since that. For some reason. We went a month without
1: recording an episode, and it felt... Fine. Yeah, it was fine. We go a week between (laughs) seeing each other, and both of us were sitting
0: there going... Seems like it's been a long time. It was just weird. All right, so what we're going to do here is we're going to kind of go back and forth because we want Brendan's, even if it's just a quick comment, whatever it is, his perspective from the T.O., because he's not going to report on the games he played because he didn't play any. Didn't, you. Which is what we usually do when we do. I had to play one last year, (laughs) the the last time we had one. Uh, But... Uh, and then I'll I'll talk about my five games and and what went on in those. Brendan, just give us an over and before we start. I want to give a shout out to you, of course, for putting this all together, getting everything on the tables and getting us a great event. I also want to thank all your minions, the people who helped you out. And there were a bunch of people. Yeah, so, we, had, we had Dave, we had Ty, uh we had Natasha, uh and
1: Heath, Heath obviously helped, with the, uh, you know, with getting and
0: Dave helped table. with some stuff yeah, he was, Dave your, was the ringer. yep which was great and he yeah. was helping with other stuff so and, just and Zach shout out and yeah. Zach was there it was great you just had this huge crew this time and I know it was so helpful and it was great seeing all those people even though they weren't playing just having them in the room and it was good and thank you all for helping Brendan make this a great event for everyone great great stuff mm-hmm. so overall what are your kind of opening thoughts on on how it went and, and as we started
1: this year was 3,000 points the intention being I wanted to let people play with the bigger game format. Uh, Bruce City Brawl 3, this was 3.1, was going to be 2,500 points in 2.0. I didn't want to do 2,500 points and do custom like army composition against what was in the book because I thought that there was going to be enough difficulties. And I was unfortunately correct in you know people getting their army legal to 3,000 point setting. We did that. I went with 3-hour, 15-minute rounds. Uh, That was something I was concerned with going into the day because I knew that completion of games at 2,000 points at 2 hours 45 was cutting it close depending on the army that was being played. As people turned their lists in, that fear was alleviated a little bit because there were definitely some armies that were taking fewer models than than what they would play with at a 2,000-point game on a bigger board. So we played the full game on... A six by four, because I recognized that, you know, we needed more space than the two thousand point board spacing, but I didn't want to go all the way to finding custom mats for what the recommended quote unquote full size for three thousand points is. And you know, Dan, you can tell me like would an extra foot and a half like lengthwise made that game more fun? No. Okay, no, no, I didn't think one, so either. No. And also the six-by-formats that I currently own agree. So
0: That no, was smart to run with the bigger boards with that many points on the board. just made sense.
1: So coming into it, we had that. And then we had the charity arm with it where we, we do collections for the charity raffle oh. um, for Prevent Suicide Greater Milwaukee. So great. And I came in with the goal on that one at $2,000. I know that wasn't beating what our year two was, But, you know, I didn't have Bryce as a salesman hawking tickets. (laughs) I wanted to set a a number that I thought would be a a little bit ambitious to what I knew, you know, kind of my skill set and the limitations were. And because at some point there is realistically a ceiling on how much you can get (laughs) out of 50 people over the course of two days. Oh, yeah. Folks were really generous in terms of what it is you know that they brought. If you want, you can go to my Twitter account at Hobby underscore Bear. I took a lot of pictures, I took pictures of the charity table and the table of items for, we'll call it the quote unquote runners up. And I mean I basically stood there for you know almost 15 minutes calling numbers you know to get all of the things off of that table. You know, going into it, I was really pleased with the list submissions from you know nearly everybody where in my pack, I'd made kind of clear and explicit references to, I want people to take lists and things that they're going to enjoy. Don't feel like an idiot for taking something that is inefficient. You know, you can take your 2000 point list and then take a thousand points of the stuff that you want to play with. Sure. And by and large, that was the case. There were a couple of lists in there that I felt were like overtly competitive. Oh yeah. But kind of funnily enough, they didn't make their way to the top table. So I don't know where the mismatch in that one was, but I'm grateful for it. Yeah, so that's kind of where we were going into it. I had a zillion helpers Friday night, you know, to get Uh everything set up. And I really appreciate that. It was certainly the easiest setup we've had of any of the three years. And I'm well on my way to having everything be self-contained so that we don't have to, you know, wait for people to show up and things like that, which is definitely part of what's made it easier over the last few years. Sure, Brennan. That's um, great. You know, yeah. you live and learn and, and figure it all out. All good yeah. stuff. For me that's setting the table. Right. right. You know, we had forty five players coming into day one. So
0: Dave came off the bench to be the ringer and
1: yeah. we were ready to go. Perfect.
0: All right. So my game one was against my longtime grudge Nick McKenna. And Nick really changed it up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he brought monster trucks. Yes. Yeah, so, so, for
1: those of you who don't know, that is Ogre Maw tribes, Yeah. Boulderhead subfaction, with really as many
0: stone horns as money can and buy. And Boulderhead gives you one extra wound on your monsters. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it
1: gives you one extra wound. You get to take a mount trait on all of your, you know, hero mounts. Oh yeah. And you get a an artifact that gives you plus one to hit. On one of your mounts, and you get a command ability that lets you... Their command trait is nothing. It's something, but it's basically nothing. And you have a command ability that lets you act at your top profile in any given phase in which you spend that command point, which in the context of 3.0, is really good. It's excellent. Because uh, now you're not having to make that same command point decision matrix that
0: you would be before. So at 3,000 points, he had Kragnos, a Frostlord, four Stonehorns, and then two Thundertusks. Yep. He had a bazillion freaking monster trucks on the port and Kragnos. So you guys are playing Savage game, Games yep, game one. Which is the one we... You know, usually talk about four, your back one is, yours is worth four or one, your opponent's is worth four, the other ones are worth two each now mm-hmm. because we clarified that. And of course, super aggressive. He just moved everything forward and Drog charged and killed a Stonehorn. That was for me, great. He got in there, took one down, one down, six to go. Awesome. I dropped the rest of my army or I moved them to a position where I could at least slow down his big guys and Till and I threw shackles of course and put him in a position where it kind of speed bumped him so I could get Drog in the position where he could attack individual models which was really important and I also dropped the 30 brick in the back because he had a butcher as well I didn't mention that and they got on they took the Four-point objective for me, which was great, and at that point it was tied up. After we both had eight points after game turn one, so it was really busy, and we were just all over the place, which is really great. I killed a monster, got a point for that, that kind of thing. So, but it was just weird after Nashcon, inured me to having a bunch of stuff come at me, a lot of big stuff come at me. So it was like, okay, fine. And I had 100 um, 100 chain rafts on the board too, Brendan. So I had a lot of speed bumps and things. The 30 brick that I took with the Cruciator made a huge difference. And I also had the Guardian there. One of the things that he did was he charged my 30 brick. He took 17 of them off, but I got seven back because I can roll that 2d6, Mm. you know, from my Guardian on my chain rafts. And man, it was just amazing how resilient they were in every game. Turn two, I got turn... And I moved my both of my uh, ten bricks and I moved the twenty brick to jam Kragnos up, and he on his uh, right side, he had Kragnos and two stone horns in there, but they were all kind of jammed together and so between and I did this in another game too between. The shackles and that unit sitting there, he couldn't do anything. Like He was forced to either go all the way around or he had to deal with them, which he did. But it gave me a chance to do things that mm-hmm. I wouldn't have been able to do otherwise. My uh, Reapers and my Rast of 30 block, killed another big guy, killed a Thunder tusk, which was awesome. And at this point in turn two, it was 18 to 16. So I was a little bit ahead at the end of turn two. I got turn three, too. He blew up an ejecta. I let him go second because I did not want to take any charges if I could help it. I wanted to get engaged to keep his Stonehorns from charging because I know how brutal that can be. So Drog got in. He killed the Frost Lord. Yay. All right. He's still doing work. There were lots of retreats. I guess I tried to reposition myself, Brendan. So and I did this at Nashcon too, really learning to retreat when I needed to, to hold objectives, getting myself just outside a range of not being You know, forcing the person to come to me, not engaging. So I'm preserving my units, Hmm. those extra turns, but still holding the objectives. So I did a lot of that in turn three. It was kind of back and forth, and it was still pretty close. Like I said, it was 1816. And then... That's when you blew the gates wide open. Oh, my God, man. So Nick killed the Harrow. He killed Raikonor. Chog took 18 mortal wounds he charged Ooh. me it was done he was gone man but again because of my positioning it was 28 22 at the end of three i was in pretty good shape i had killed i think four of his giant things by that time Stone so ones, I'd, yeah. I'd gotten four you know uh extra victory points we only had like 10 minutes left 10 50 minutes left so it was like okay you know we talked through turn four where are we gonna be uh, because we did not have both have time to go. We mm-hmm. just did not, even with just the few models he had. We talked through four, and it ended up being thirty-seven, thirty-two. So I took that game, which was great. And it made me feel really good beating a monster truck list again. You know, I'd done that before at uh, NASHCON. So it, it gave me a lot of confidence with that. So that was my game one. How were things looking overall?
1: Yeah, so... I don't know maybe the best way to explain this but like i did relatively high level competitive gymnastics for 10 years (laughs) i don't look the part anymore but you're gonna have to trust me on this one i would have this awful anxiety until the meet started Mm -hmm. we get to warm-ups anxious anthem anxious events start i put my hands on the first piece of equipment i'm good to go the anxiety until i you know get up on the chair and announce that like you know you know, the event is starting, I'm worried about all the things that can go wrong. And I have this weird light switch that once I'm in, sure, my brain recognizes that you have whatever these plans are, cool, we're going to file them away, we'll pull the ones that are relevant when and if the time comes up. But right now is just do. Mm-hmm. You know, I put words to all the things that I had concerns in and around and, you know, walking around the tables to make sure and see, you know, like, People playing the right mission, yeah.
0: and Nick and I, by the way, did check that a couple times. <laughs> I made sure to stop by your table. <laughs> See, okay, you the guys objectives were you quietly agreed that we were playing the right, right <laughs> battle plan. Yeah, you know, making sure
1: that people are moving through you know their games in a relatively timely manner. Sure. And the first round was probably the one where I had the most instances and offenders of, of games that like really well and truly were not complete. And I'd say the highlight of that one was. I was asked to come over to a table after I had announced, you know, 10 minutes or so. And the two players looked at me and said, you know, hey, we're not going to finish our game. You know, what do we do? Mm -hmm. I said, well, per the pack, the rule on this is if, you know, if your game doesn't run to completion, it's the responsibilities of the players to agree on what the outcome is. Sure. I said, but if you cannot do that, I will decide how this game ends. And the one guy, you know... He's known me for a number of years and and knew that that was relatively what the answer was going to be. And the other guy, I don't know that I had met him before. And he looks at me and he goes, Oh no.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh wow. Oh God. (laughs) That's funny.
1: You know, One of the things I appreciated about the players was in the sportsmanship scoring, you know, I have five questions. You know, did your opponent arrive on time? Did they have all the tools that they Mm -hmm. needed? Did they play in a timely manner? Did the game reach a natural conclusion? Uh, And did your opponent play transparently? Sure. Of those five questions, I'm really grateful that when games did not reach a natural conclusion, except for one instance, both players, you know, circled no. Absolutely. So at least both players agreed that the game did not reach you know, not even end of turn five, you know, a concession. Hey, you know, this game is over. Let's talk it out. Like the the game ending in, you consider that a natural conclusion. I do. I do consider a game in which people say, you know, like, Hey, look, you know, this game is over. Like, let's get the rest of the points sorted out. But I really appreciated the maturity of the players to sit there and both say, you know, Even though I won, there was something still left on this table that, you know, is so many turns down the road that we really cannot project what that looks like. Okay, I appreciate that. Awesome. That was great to see. Mm. But, you know, first round went relatively smoothly. You know, we had Heidi, our photographer, you know, take pictures. Yeah, yeah. So those will be up on the Facebook page, you know, when she gets through formatting them and, you know, making them look <laughs> nice. She took a look lot nice.
0: of pictures, man. He
1: did. And, you know, the pictures from Bruce City Brawl 2, you're on the Facebook page, you know, go take a look and, you know, scroll through them. They're really nice pictures. And year two was the first year we had her and I gave her kind of a relatively simple prompt of, catch people having fun and you know the pictures the pictures of the armies and stuff are are really cool too but the best pictures from you know the previous year was you know just people hanging out and enjoying themselves and in the middle of the game the best pictures were the ones where the people didn't know that she was looking at them yeah, I'm really looking forward to getting the pictures back. You know, I appreciate her taking the time to come up and do that and then to take the extra time to sort through it and make sure that, you know, we have really nice photos and stuff like that. And many of them end up as people's profile pictures on Twitter and Facebook for, well, what is now for years. Yeah, of course. People went to lunch. We got set up for army voting. You know, I had Ty be our head paint judge, and, you know, he was coaching Natasha up on going through and around it, and I appreciate them Mm -hmm. doing that, and they did a good job. You know, there's only a couple of, you know, score sheets that I got back that I looked at and had to go make corrections, and thankfully no one threatened to fight me this year over (laughs) it, because normally he is our paint judge, and... He has extremely high standards and expectations. Sure, I mean you know that about oh, him. yes, he I does. Mean, it's, nice. And that's what he did, you know, in the Navy for all those years with yeah, stand, standards and training and standards and training and, and yep. all of that. Absolutely. Some folks know him as the scary paint judge. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Some folks were relieved to not have him there, but there were folks that actually came up to me and said, you know, I made sure I did this so that, you know, so that Heath wouldn't mark me down. Well, I'll tell you what,
0: if you get a full paint score with Heath, you have done an excellent job of painting. That's all there is to that. Yeah. Or even close. You you should be very proud of your work. Yeah. So taking the
1: time to go around the room and look at, you know, what everybody had put together and displayed, you know, there were some absolutely fantastic armies in that room. There were. You know, there were only a couple that didn't qualify for, you know, the full 50 points. Mm -hmm. Few and far between. I like to put it in a way where like 60 is relatively not too, 50 isn't hard to get to. 60 is if, you know, you're kind of a a capable painter Mm -hmm. and, you know, regular person in this hobby. You'll mostly, you'll get to about that 60, 65 number. But between 65 and 90 Mm -hmm. is a mountain. Sure. That is hills to climb. Yeah. We had a crazy number of 80s. Like mm-hmm. some of these armies were just fantastic. Beautiful. The conversion work. You know, some of the freehand, some of the basing work that people did, some of the displays that they put together. Some folks went in really bold directions and came out great. It was so cool to see that that was just the standard across mm-hmm. the board. In- and
0: they made the effort for this
1: event, mm-hmm. which is really cool. It, when you see, for, that. for many of them, yes. Yeah. You know, for some folks, it was. You know, I need to find another 1,000 points to add to this 2,000-point <laughs> army that I right. did. Um, but we had a, a Giants player who converted up all... You know, their five Mega Gargants that they had were converted up to be representative mechanical
0: avatars of the oh, different I Chaos played, Gods. I played Nathan, yeah. Such a cool army. And the other one, the guy that had all the man-eaters, each one was...
1: Yeah, a different Chaos was, God and it was oh, mutated. And, and blue and green. Mm, and it was just so cool. He did a lot of custom sculpting for oh, it. Oh, yes. You know, that the, was amazing. It was really nice. And, you know, we'll skip ahead on one of these things where him and Kyle Knapp, who ended up winning Player's Choice... were. tied on favorite army votes and so ty and i had to walk through both armies diligently again to rescore them on the paint score to make sure that because the first tiebreaker was overall paint score Mm -hmm. was that we were absolutely certain what the paint score was was what the paint score was it was a five point difference like it just yeah so there was that and then just like kind of your quote-unquote
0: average army it was really nice. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it was. It was beautiful from a hobby perspective. Yeah, so okay. then everyone comes back from lunch, and we send Hooray. them off on their way for round <laughs> two, and... I played Kevin Fleming. I've seen Kevin at events all the time, but I've never played him. He's from Bloomington. Mm-hmm. He's down in that area. And he was playing uh, Warclans, or, uh, yeah, Warclans. Yeah, Iron, Iron, Jaws. Iron Jaws. He had Kragnos, Maw Crusher. He had a Rogue Idol, which was fun to see, because you rarely see those on the board anymore. He had three pigs. It was really kind of a soupy, interesting list. He had three pigs, ten Brutes, Tunis of ten art Boys... And he had a couple of chanters and a shaman. It's like, okay. Cool. Cool. Until I realized that, oh, what is the thing? I had it written down. The uh, Mighty Destroyer thing where that Maw Crusher can move like 24 inches. Yeah, he gets to move for free. Uh, Yeah. God, that was just brutal. So anyway, I was very conservative in the first turn because I knew, and he has to be aggressive. I just didn't have enough to stop anything. Mm -hmm. And literally that Maw Crusher could have literally flown over whatever it was I put in his way. So I had to really position everything. And I had everything on the board except for my Reapers, my Cruciator, and my... Morgul. That's the only thing I held off. He rolled in with that Cabbage. He killed a unit of 10 Chain so big surprise. He rolled in with his idol and his Brutes in the middle. The Cabbage kind of went to my right side. He killed another unit of 10. We both got aggressive expansion, which you would expect. They're right on the line there. And we took those the easy tactic that first turn. His first turn with the Cabbage, I had a unit of 20 Chain and a unit of Grimms that went into his Maw Crusher and he kind of whiffed and it was surprising with his Maw Crusher because I was expecting him to just wipe crap out because that's what the Maw Crusher does. So it was kind of sitting over there, but he also did Hand of Gork, is it? I think it is, or mm-hmm. Hand of Mork, where he moved 10 Boys onto my objective in the back. Then I teleported guys over to try to deal with that issue that he he had had a brick of 20 chain rafts that I also moved over into that area. Kevin got turn, turn two or turn three. It was not going well. I couldn't get my giant into the right position. I was taking a unit off, but it wasn't enough because he really had the middle jammed up with a lot of guys. Mm-hmm. And... His Maw Crusher, I just wasn't going to touch that because he had uh five up after save, you know, that kind of thing. And I was just like, no, it's not going to happen. And so it was difficult. Sure. And he had it at two up and it just really, really tough. Even if I take a drug over there with, you know, three rend on his one attacks, it was going to be tough to take that Maw Crusher down. Pretty tough. I got, the nice thing was, I got six mortal wounds on uh, Kragnos, which was good because I was kind of, he had Kragnos and the idol in the middle which was interesting, and I was kind of wearing Kragnos down I did 14 wounds to Kragnos from the giant so I was close, man, I was, I was really close pretty good, yeah, he did nine back to me, yeah. and the brutes did eight more, and it was done it kind of, it was kind of done, but I did, I did kill Kragnos, and that was really cool because the Morngol came in. He got off wave of terror, and he piled into Kragnos because he was down to four at that point, and he rolled three sixes. Has enough. four attacks. Boom, six mortals, and it was like Kragnos is gone. It was great. And then the giant, before he died, he ended up killing the rogue idol. I was shocked. He's he rolled into him, and he just. Whoosh, he just like vaporized hmm. he like turned to just rock rubble and just crumbled you know wow. <laughs> that's how it felt first time I mean just boom the thing was gone disappeared and that had a big effect on the rest of his army because it's kind of like a totem and it does some other things so that was really cool but in terms of points I was just getting so far behind it was really close though it still was very very close because I wasn't giving anything up really fighting for my back objective on that back side on my left side the Maw Crusher was kind of over on my right side, but he wasn't doing a whole lot with them. He was just kind of taking that objective over there. He took a 30 brick down to 20, but I took out a couple of his brutes then on, and that was turn three, I think. That's the turn I killed Kragnos. I got turn four, so I did five mortal wounds from my veil, because I had Lady O in my army. So she did five mortals to the cabbage, but it wasn't going to be enough. The Morgul charged the shaman, killed him, takes an objective. The back objective, that one on my left side, was really busy. There were brutes, ard boys. There was a 20 brick that he ended up killing. I still kept the objective because of retreating and so forth. He got ferocious advance, and that was the middle of four, and it was 18 to 16. And it was like, it was close. I didn't have enough. Critical mass anymore with the giant being gone and he's still having the Maw Crusher because he started moving other units in that he was holding objectives with. And it was just over at that point, as close as it was, because I was starting to lose those objectives and not be able to take anything else. Because he still had enough on the board. I took out a couple of his big pieces, which was really happy for me. Uh, it was a good game. And I felt like I was in it the whole time. Oh, good. And that was the big thing always, where you want to feel like you have control and you're being competitive while you're playing. So I think I gave Kevin a good game. And it was great playing. And we had a really good time. And he's a really, really good opponent. So that was my game, too. Anything significant between game two and three?
1: Between two and three, no. It was uh, just really score entry. What I had made note of at that point was that the Giants players were largely finding their way to the top tables. Most of them were some version therein of, you know, a bunch of Mega Gargants and Kragnos. A few of them included a a man crusher and um, Alex Gonzalez had a lot of man crushers. Robert had a lot of man crushers. The monster trucks were making their way up as well. It was a very Mm destruction-heavy event after two. Steve's Deepkin were rolling up. Unfortunately, he had to leave after day one, but his stuff was making his way to the top of the table. And then the one that was really surprising me was Isaiah's list. Isaiah had won his first game, and he was playing a relatively newer player. And in the back of my head, I kind of wrote it off as like, Hey, even Isaiah with a weird list is going to beat new players six ways to Sunday. Talk about his
0: list a little bit.
1: So he was playing Legion of the First Prince, Mm -hmm. where he had Mm Bellacor, and then all four of the named greater demons, a unit from each of the demon factions as a battle line unit, and an exalted flamer. Oh, that's it. Yeah, kind of a weird one, and I thought, you know, whatever, like even kind of like a weird janky list. We'll handle that. And then in round two, he got one of the two Bone Reaper players, and given what the mission was, fair, uh, not Feral Foray, power struggle. I did that, and I went, okay, that's not a great matchup for the Bone Reaper player. And power
0: struggles where you have five objectives. Yeah, that's the if one. One, that one you in the center, and then two in your yep. back.
1: Yep. Yeah, and so as I was looking at that, I was like, okay, that's not a great matchup for the Bone Reaper player. Fine. And then we get into Round three. We're playing feral foray you know people have turned in their favorite army voting and i'm getting that compiled and making sure that everything's right but Mm -hmm. you know round two to round three is a short break so nothing of note there are no like real issues in round two more games were beginning to finish on time and a trend started to develop that the top half of the room was finishing on time and early and then the bottom half of the room was not yeah which is its own separate issue and i'm not entirely sure how to address that in the future (laughs) because i don't know that more time would help (laughs) or smaller points would help i think i I end up with um, that problem no matter what
0: points level i play at sure so okay. round three dan cool so i played nathan Moran from woodrich he had a gargant list a mega gargant list he had four megas including one with the amulet he had a mini and he had kragnos so i'll talk about the game and then kind of afterthoughts of first day and this game in particular so he took first turn man as i looked at him placing his army i'm going It's just a lot of Giants, man. There's a lot of Giants. There's a lot of Giants I got to deal with. He advanced to a big surprise, right? I think he got five in the first turn, just the way we were doing stuff. I moved to the right because he had, it was interesting, and he had kind of jammed himself up on his right side. He had Kragnos, a Mini, and a Mega Gargant kind of all bunched up. And that, and this is another game where I threw my shackles over there in front of him, and I stretched out a unit of 10 Chain rafts. Sure. And he had to do the same thing. Either he was going to have to engage them and stop for a turn to deal with that, or he was going to have to move around them. Now, the one balancing thing was his mega was a crack, you know, Kraken Eater. And literally, he just, it was like some little kid with a ball. He just kept kicking it and he was just dragging that objective along with him. It's like, I can't do anything with that. It's like 70 wounds, you know, surrounding this objective. I'm like, okay, whatever, however many it was. And that was really tough. Because I just couldn't get to it. And that only left me five more, you know, to do whatever with. Because that's the one with six. I moved to the right, though, to avoid that little block that was there. And he still, of course, had three in the back. But I moved to the right. And I dropped a 10, a 20, a 30. Um, I brought my Guardian in, my Cruciator. And I moved Drog Ford to the Mega that he had on his left side, my right side. Mm. And everything was just focused in on going for that one guy. And I got turn two. I had Lady O again in this army, and she just whiffed on her uh, whale. She didn't make any of them. I needed sixes. That's the one that kind of the shooting attack if you roll more than their leadership you know, you can get D3 mortals. I roll, I needed sixes, Brendan. <laughs> Three times during the game, I rolled fives. Oh my God. It was like, this is worthless. I only need a six. Anyway, against giants, you yeah, know, it it's just like little chip damage, but still. Yeah, um, damage is damage. Damage is damage, yeah. So it was just kind of funny. The second time it happened, we both kind of chuckled. And the third time, we were just laughing because oh, that was insane. So the mega on his left, after Drog's attack, he was down to 10 wounds. So it, doable. Very doable. I took the objective with Drog, because I had a 30 brick just, I I literally jammed every model I could within six inches of that objective, and I had more than 35. There you go. Which was great, but it was like half my army on that objective, right? So he burnt, he got three then, or no, he burned the objective that he had on, that he had gotten to, and so I think it was 11 to 12, and he was ahead. So it was still pretty close after turn two. I, I was still in there. I won the roll. There was a tie and I wanted to go first because I wanted to get to that second Gargan of his that was in the back on that other objective. Um, He ended up burning the objective back on my side on the right, which was an excellent choice to burn. I took down my second mega because Drag was down to one after this point, but he was down to six on his second mega. So I ended up taking it down and... Drog actually is the one who killed the second mega again. And he was, again, just like my game against Archeon at Nashcon, he was down to one wound, so he was pretty worthless. Mm-hmm. But still, he had taken down two. I felt pretty good about that. I'd taken down two of his monsters. It's a good point exchange. Yeah, it was. But he killed Harrow, so I couldn't really summon and move stuff to positions. So at the end of three, it was eighteen fifteen. Still pretty close. three points. But. <laughs> Turn four, it was just over because I just couldn't. He moved a third mega that he had towards my back objectives. Those guys finally got around on turn four around the corner. I made a last ditch attempt to I move my Morngul and what I had left of my Reapers to his mini Gargant and came within like. Two or three wounds are killing it. It's mm. like really last bit ditch effort. And I was like, you know, game over, Nathan, this is great. He goes, I really want to play this out and roll the dice. I want to get my max kill points and stuff. I think he kind of thought he was going to table me. And I'm just like, no. Not happening. You ain't got to take me, brother.
1: I mean, you were just you to, were going to give him all of it, right? So right, that's the... Right. You know, because in my pack, you know, if you concede, you know, the rest of the game is scored out for the right. you know, for the other player and right. you get and all your points. That's what we were
0: going to do. And if he wanted to keep playing, so he put at risk the... <laughs> yeah. And he okay. didn't actually get that much stuff. He really didn't because I still had a 30 brick in the back. I still had my Morgul and my, you know, Reapers. I had a lot of stuff on the board, fairly, you know, small stuff, but... And I just put bumpers you know speed bumps in front of him and he couldn't really move or get to stuff you know we played it out um it ended up being 33 to 18 when we finished i think talking out the points and everything else Mm. i still had lots of points on the board so he didn't get a maximum on his kill points or anything so and that's fine you know he wanted to roll it out fine i was gonna lose the game one way or the other good guy it was fun but at the end of three and that game i was feeling pretty good about the day and how things were going up mm-hmm. to then. It wasn't that I lost, because I lost against Kevin and I felt fine. It was good, I played a good game. I just felt really, really helpless and not in, I, I, like I had no control over game three. There just was no way, no matter how well or how smart I played, and I was playing, I thought, really well. Even taking out two of his Gargants with my army, it was a pretty good job. I almost took out that mini too. It just wasn't gonna happen. I had nothing left with his, he had two Megas and Kragnos left, even if I'd taken out the mini. No, uh-uh, this is not going to happen. So it was a little frustrating. Sure. Uh, which, and I get that, and we'll see what, what, where we go in the, free, in the future with dealing with 3,000 points of big guys. But it, it was a good game, and that was the game where he had the guys who were like mechanical mm-hmm. giants, all the parts and pieces from machines and stuff. Really well converted. Uh, beautiful. Super it was really, kind of really made. cool. He's a great player. And then I just wanted to come in to end of day one. I had, I think three people by the time that kind of, a, we're just like talking because we caught up at the, we didn't really get a chance to talk before then people. I, they're all people I know. And they were all people who didn't have, you know, like a matcha truck list or a giant list and things like that. And they all were just expressing that kind of frustration. And, the same thing I was feeling. But the response I gave to all of them was, I said, I understand. Believe me, I just had one of those games. Like, I'm playing <laughs> Night haunt sir. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh. It was just, I said, I think what we need to do is step back and look at what this event is supposed to be. This is where people who would never take six Gargants or five Gargants and Kragnos or a monster truck list with like seven or eight. People are never going to do that. Regularly, this is a chance where they get to do that. They get to bring everything that they'd never bring otherwise, and so it's a fun chance for a lot of people to do that. And that's just what you're going to see here, and no matter when it is. That is, you know, next year you might see something different that's 3,000 points, but it still could be 3,000 points of foolishness. Sure, and that's what you want this event to be. And so that was my feedback to them: is I understand your frustration but you see something different when you're here. And I think the other piece, Brandon, of this was they felt forced to take something they didn't want to take in order to be able to play the games, you know? And I think that was another thing that... Anyway, just some feedback and... Right, so I
1: would level the criticism at how different would this have been at 2,000 points? Right. You still would not have had the tools to deal with those things. Mm -hmm. And arguably, the variation in power creep is much higher at 2,000 points when you're doing that comparison shopping because at 3,000 points, they get two more mega gargants,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: right? What's the difference between four and six? 70 wounds, In the scope of things, not much, Mm -hmm. right? So when you're sitting there with that perspective, not much has changed on their end. But Dan, what changes in your list between 2,000 and 3,000 points?
0: A oh, fair amount, quite a bit. Yeah, I, I'm bringing 100 chain rasps. I'm bringing Lady O. I'm bringing some other things. Well, right, that- but you're you're
1: bringing 20 more chain rasps. You're bringing 20 more grim gas reapers than you would before. Right. You're bringing heroes that you don't get to bring. You're able to bring more solutions to the table than you would have in previous instances. I get it. Dealing mm. with giants right now is tough. Yeah, but if I had run this at 2,000 points, those yeah. same concerns would still be there. Mm. There'd just be fewer of them on the table.
0: And yeah, I think you know as we go through. People are going to develop counters. People are going to... And just people at the mid-tables, you know, and even the lower-tables are going to develop things where they can deal with the giants in a different way. Even if you can't kill them, you can deal with them. And you can win a game without killing all the giants. And And all it takes from an ecosystem perspective is to have an army
1: or two that, like, loves seeing giants across the table from them. Absolutely. And suddenly, you're going to see a lot less of them. Yeah. Like, that's the way it goes. Yep. You know, because, like, for instance, if cruel boys had been legal at that moment in time mm-hmm. and someone had brought five kilobows mm-hmm. boom like they're moving through a mega gargant every shooting phase with only those kilobows with only a 750 point investment yeah clang 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 yeah it's good <laughs> if you've killed three of them by the end of turn three your game's over if that predator is out there you know it's not a big issue. But sending counterpost to it, if someone had shown up with 120 Sentinels from Lumineth, mm-hmm. which they absolutely could have done if they wanted sure. to, are they going to tell me that that's a more fun game than... <laughs> right, right. Uh, Playing six Giants, yeah, whatever right. it is. Yeah,
0: I agree. It's not. I like, agree. It's, it's tough.
1: It's flatly not. I'm sorry they felt that way, you know, yeah. right? That's unfortunate. I want to say I felt like I was pretty clear in my pack in terms of what was going to be there, you know, in terms of what I wanted the event to look like. You know, I didn't sit there and say, I want to see everyone bring six Mega Gargants, but I, want, I, but I sat there and said, this is 3,000 points. Play Like, bring something that's going to, you know, have you have fun. And if they didn't bring something that was going to have them have fun, knowing that 3,000 points meant that everyone was going to play at 3,000 points, I feel yeah. a
0: little bit differently. Yeah, just mm. it, it is what it is. You know, and some people I know of other people who just didn't want to play at 3,000 po- 3, points. They didn't come to this event. You know, they're not part of this event. And that's fine. They have a choice to do that. Right. Yeah, that's fine. It's all good. This is just choices we make and things we prefer to do and not do. And it's all good. And it still was a great first day. I still had a great time. Met some people. Played two people I'd never played before, which is always a great thing. Yeah. No matter how the games end up. Let's take a break from day one. And let's be back in a moment, and we'll talk about the second day. Okay. Here's to five miserable months on the wagon and all the irreparable harm that it's caused me. (laughs) So, Brendan, it's time for day two. Yep. Everything's ready to roll. We had a good start. Uh, Unfortunately, no Waffle House this time either day. Tragic. No Waffle Houses (laughs) up here in Milwaukee. But my opponent for game four was uh, Cody Muck, who's out of Madison. Mm -hmm. Great guy. We had a good game. There was a little bit of tension at the end of... Turn three, but nothing big. But I'll just talk about how that went. So he brought a Daughter's Army Marathi Go Trek. He had 15 shooters. He had two units of 10 pokey snakes. He had a unit of sisters so slaughter. slaughter and then a unit of witches. I think they are about 20 in each. And then he had some life takers to drop down. And anyway, that was his list. So How many bow snakes did he have? 15. 15. And we'll and talk about how he used them. It was scary as hell. And you guys were
1: playing Tectonic Interference, which yes. is the three objectives in the middle. Moving of, back and forth, yeah. back
0: and Although forth. for three of the turns, it stayed in the same place, mm-hmm. so it was kind of funny how that went. I got turn one. I got aggressive expansion because I had my two tens kind of move out. He let me go first. And I dropped bricks of 20 and 30 and the Cruciator and to try to reposition and get on his backside where his... Because what he did, basically, Brandon, was he had a blob is what he did and it was set up on his side of the board and he had if i'm looking at it from his side on the right side he had marathi and gotrek and then he had kind of a triangle where he had you know the witches in front the 20 and then the back two sides of the triangle were 10 pokey snakes each and then inside of that thing was his 15 shooty snakes and then his sisters of slaughter were kind of out on the side Mm -hmm. off of that big triangle it was just basically a death star is what it was so I was trying to get to that back side where those sisters of slaughter were so that I might be able to edge out that one objective because the one on his far right he was kind of given up I mean he didn't even bother with that one so it was really we were fighting over the the other two, in particular, the one on the left hand, his left-hand side, my right. So that was turn one. Uh, So he shot off 10 brick of snakes, or of chain which was easy to figure out. Again, he moved this whole Death Star forward. That's what happened. He shot Raikonur off the board, (laughs) which is stupid. And then he dropped his canaries on the right-hand side, way over to where his, my right side, his left side. So the one he was kind of giving up in terms of just regular deployment. And because I had dropped the 20, brick back there with Lady Alinder but there was a piece of terrain so I could kind of hide behind it and that's why I dropped them back there so I was hoping that I could get close enough maybe on a move and a charge to get in but putting them back there kept the snakes from just shooting them off the board Um, it was the only safe place other than staying out of range I literally this was one of those games although I didn't feel as frustrated because it was a close game the whole way but it was just, I had no answer for those snakes because I could not get to them, Brendan. I literally, there's no way, at least initially, even if I put Drog even close, he would have shot him off the board. So I had to be really, really careful where I was putting stuff. And there was another piece of terrain. I kind of had Drog behind that uh, so he couldn't shoot him off the board. And uh, I had actually moved him up my left side and back where those that two bricks that I dropped. I kind of moved him around to that side so he could get close to those Sisters of Slaughter. In turn two, I won the turn. I dropped everything. This was kind of a Hail Mary thing for me. And I screwed up and I put the plus six, you know, command trait on the wrong unit, the unit I really didn't want to. It was a unit I should have put it on another unit. And I also failed four out of five charges Oof. that turn, which was brutal. And a couple of them were not bad charges, but I got turn three, which was good. That was really good for me that I got turn three. Because I had everything ready to go. The Terminexus had put at this time, because I threw Terminexus out there, to put six wounds on Marathi at this point. It's turn three. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, man, you know, if I can get three more one turn, and I can get somebody in close, I could kill her. And then again, I charged everything. This time I got in. (laughs) I failed on my charges last time, but I got all in. I killed two units of ten Pokey Snakes. They were gone between my giant and my other units that I had brought in from my right side I killed them all so that was really good it was great and I also killed the unit of 20 Sisters of Slaughter that whole back side of his his death star just kind of disappeared so his shooty snakes were exposed now and obviously he had to pick targets so it was a little bit of target priority the game at points-wise, was just about tied. It was really close. He shot the Reapers off the board, and then he put 16 wounds on Drog with the second... because he was shooting twice a turn, obviously. Yeah, of course. Gotrek attacked my Mourn Goal, and I'm like, okay, whatever. I made six four-up saves, man. It was so freaking awesome. Like, look, I took... it's another one. I took a picture of that in my tray. He's going, there's no... I said, yeah, I made it. He's One more turn, he's going to be alive. And then Drog before he... that turn, he put Marathi up to Nine wounds, which is good. Then Drog died of shooting from shooting. Mm. Uh, the Morngol was killed by Gotrek, so Morngol was dead. Drog was dead. We did not have time for turn four. The score was 21-19, and it was close the whole way. We were just going back and forth, killing stuff, moving stuff. Really, really a great game. And then we got to the turn, you know, turn three, and we're like, well, turn four we're probably not gonna have. Let's talk it out, see where we are. And it was like, I think. I think I can win this if I do these two things. He's like, no, let's just finish it. This, We're just done. I said, no, I want to give it a try. I think I have enough time to at least try these things, and if I do, I'm going to win. He kind of took back, you know, a little bit and stepped back and go, whoa, I, you don't have enough time. I just felt a little bit of tension there, and I understand why. I, I get it. So, I mean, he was a great player, and we had a great game. So and we talked afterwards, so it wasn't anything serious. As we're talking it through, he hadn't thought about the fact that his snakes would be able to shoot if I had killed Marathi. Like, to get into her... I was going to have to charge, and Mm -hmm. the snakes could have unleashed hell or done something else. So there were a couple other things that we had not talked through, and I made those couple of moves. And Then he's like, oh, wait a minute. I could do this. And I'm like, yeah, okay, game over. Now we're done. And I kind of said, okay, now we're finished Mm -hmm. uh, with those other things. So it ended up being 2119 straight up that was it. Good game. Great guy. I really enjoyed playing him and it was really great experience for me having those 15 bow snakes in a Death Star like that. Because now I'm thinking as I'm thinking through lists and looking at you know other armies and stuff what do I do with deal with them? What can I do to stop dealing with them? We talked about um, Belladama spell. You know, if you've got some one wound models around them, he had those witches right in front of his snakes. If I could turn a couple of those into wolves, okay He's gonna to have to deal with that, you know, one way or the other. If those models are within three inches of them, that's gonna really reduce at least their ability to shoot. I'm thinking through that stuff, or what's another way that I can put something together that can counter shoot against those shooty snakes? Sure. So it was a good experience for me to play that army and see what it does, because it was pretty freaking scary, man. 60 shots a turn from those things. That's just brutal. I had seen bits and pieces from that game specifically.
1: I would place some criticism on his tactic going into that game of basically just picking the middle objective and hoping that that was going to be it. Because it didn't work out that way. <laughs> no. I think in different situations, right? You know,
0: you consider a different army. You consider that the objective lands in a different place. It would have made a difference in our game if it had. Sizable. Mm-hmm. It had moved to the other side because it was mostly on his left side. I think mm-hmm. for turn three turns it was there. It never moved, but good game. So that's halfway through the game or day two. So how were you you looking with everything that was going on with the tournament? You're getting ready to do awards, getting ready to close up. You know, all those things are starting to at least appear on the horizon for you. Yeah. Round four saw some of my favorite games that I was able to Mm. just
1: catch bits and pieces of. We had the two Bone Reaper players, both with Nagash, playing each other. And obviously the winner of that gets put in the driver's seat of to how the event is going to shape out, at least for the uh, best in death faction, because mm-hmm. both of them had had a loss prior to that point. Mm-hmm. That was interesting. And then on table three, Isaiah was playing Nathan and his giants. And that was a mission that I looked at and I went, I don't know, buddy. That's going to be a real tough one for you there, Isaiah. I didn't get to see, you know, every minute detail of mm. it, Ugh. but catching the different snapshots I did, that was one of the best played games of Warhammer I have ever seen in terms of like what Isaiah did in that game Mm -hmm. from a strictly tactical perspective what he did was so impressive where he used all of the abilities in his army I think for the first time that weekend actually remembering to use it using Gargants as blocking pieces to keep them away from the other stuff and just kind of clogging up these lanes Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. using his horrors to you know to just be bait on the other side because you have to pay attention to them to some degree, right? Because they end up counting for so much. It was just so clever. It was so cool, and it was oh, it was, was great. it was great to just watch watch a master at work. And he is a
0: great Warhammer player.
1: Yeah, he really is. So, table two was Zinch versus Giants, the Stomper tribe. Man Crushers were in there, just taking horrors and just you know whipping them to side side to side and sending them off to space, you know because. <laughs> Their damage increases the more enemy models that are in the unit that they're fighting. Yeah. It just, you know, three man crushers is 30 attacks with three damage each on their clubs against a big unit of horrors. Poof. (laughs) And then table one saw monster trucks versus mega gargants, and that was pretty cool. It was table five. Your round two opponent, Kevin, was playing a monster truck list. Mm. And the guy playing monster trucks, like, at top of one, you know, walked by that table, and it's looking real sad for Kevin. And he's like, it is what it is, you know. And the the monster truck player, to his credit, was sitting there going, he was like, look, I made eight 11-inch charges. Yeah, it'll happen. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, sure. did a bunch of impact hits. Come back later in that game. And Kevin has somehow tabled the guy like oh my it was crazy that's nuts you know cuz like it got to a point where like it looked like it was swinging back a little bit and you know I know that so much of this balance is on a knife's edge every time I kept coming back like it was just looking better and better for Kevin and at the end when they hand in their score sheets I just go what on earth happened in this game it's <laughs> so funny. I'd never seen a game that like I could have seen so definitively is over but it ended up not being so... The moral in that story is, you know, figure it out, find your way to win. And yeah. it's not always going to work that way. No. Because it sounded like his opponent, once he finished making the charge moves, the dice... Just ran away. Disappeared. Yeah. It happens.
0: My turn five was really interesting because it was a mirror match. Uh, I played uh, Mira Manderscheid from Fond du Lac. It, this list reminded me of my first AOS list ever it was so soupy. Like, she had a little bit of everything in her Nighthaunt list. And it was fun to... I think it's the first time I've ever played another Nighthaunt player. So it was really interesting. She had three Morgals, which was annoying as hell because of all those minus one day hits. She had Lady O. She had Kurtos. She had a coach. She had three units of 20... I think this is right. Again, always, you know, my opponents always, I apologize if I missed a detail. And then she had a Spirit Torment, and I think she had a Guardian. So it was a little bit of everything. It was just weird. Like, looking at it across the table going, that's like something off of every other page. You know, just randomly take it. It was it was interesting. Mm-hmm. So turn one, uh, I cast Terminexus. Because I was going after some of her... Her heroes. Heroes, yeah. I moved my left side forward where Drog was. It was pretty aggressive on that side. I dropped the 30 brick and a Cruciator way on the back of the left side. She charged with Raikonur and a Moringal. And uh, and she did basically chip damage to a 10 and a 20 brick is what she did. Because I had a 10 and 20 brick on my right side. I dropped down 20 Grimms way over on that side as well. I charged her right flank. Uh, it was minus one to hit from that Morgul, which is just, oh my god, it was just so frustrating. Because I made the charge with my Reapers, trying to get rid of that And He was tough mm-hmm. to try to take off. He was kind of facing off against those 10 Chain Rasts, which were a lot tougher than I had expected them to be. <laughs> he just was not They just weren't going away. But all of a sudden, I had those 20 Reapers on that side. Because I'd kept probably a third of my army off the board. It was kind of weird, too, because she gave me turn two. And it was like... Okay. I mean, I'll take it. If you you give it to me, I'm more than happy to do that. It was also interesting that she was doing a lot of chip damage on Drog. She got him down to like 20 wounds by turn two. And I was going, Ooh, I was getting a little nervous there. I didn't want to lose him, right? So it was really just a slog for both of us because we were both bringing models back and we were rolling like a bazillion dice, Brendan. We weren't killing anything. Like nothing was dying, Yeah, the
1: kill point sheet that you guys had turned in, I I wanted to be like, did it end like super
0: early or what? (laughs) We just weren't killing anything. It was just bizarre. I won turn three and she chose not to burn any objectives. Interesting choice. Whatever works, right? I dropped my last 30 brick on her uh, left side again because she had Kurtos and a unit of 20 chain rests on a back objective. So that was 22 wounds. The 30 brick made the charge onto that objective. So I took that objective. The 20 grim gas came over, obviously, to the next objective. And because I had enough models, I took that objective. And the back objective, on my my left objective on my side, I had held. She never hmm. dropped anything in or anything. Uh, even though she had a Morgal, I was kind of surprised because I kept a unit of 10 back there. I was kind of surprised she didn't drop one of her Morgals. She, she, she kept it off the board. Back at that objective to try to take those guys out because it was a monster. would have been worth five. So if she'd only killed six of my guys, she could have taken that objective. And then Drog was still in there. I moved Lady O up next to Drog, and I lifted the veil on a Linder and I killed her. <laughs> it was really kind of fun. I rolled like a five or something. I had taken her down enough that uh, she died, which was kind of funny, lifting the veil on lifting the veil. When I consider it, I think that's how she took a lot of wounds off my giant when she was doing that to him. And he, he was close enough. So I took all four, turned three, and won the game. There you go. It was pretty cool. Nice. But it was just really Interesting to play another Nighthaunt army and see what it did. And I learned a lot about Morguls and how good that minus one bubble is. Uh, man, my l- chain literally could just do nothing. Again, even the big brick of 20 just did no damage at all. It was surrounding and because their bubble was the minus one. It was like, God, you know, I'm hitting on fives, but then like what? how many is that and there's no rend or anything else sure so it was really really cool so that was my last game so i ended up two and three i kind of bookended beat nick in his monster trucks which was cool and beat amir so that was my weekend except for game game three which you know we talked this a little frustrating i felt like i was in every game and every game was close that i lost so it was really a good experience and again what four to the five players i played i had never played before which was always great good. good to meet new people good great weekend for me i'm glad i was there and glad that uh, we had that extra thousand points it was fun to bring 100 chain wraps. that was just really cool
1: <laughs> yeah so um, we're at the end you know i get everything compiled we do our our charity raffle um, we raised 2450 dollars so
0: amazing. That's
1: so great for prevent suicide, Greater Milwaukee. So that was really good. And I thought, you know, I'm not Bryce. I won't cry. Uh, <laughs> oh no. no! No no no! I was wrong. You did um,
0: get a little model in there, yeah.
1: Yeah. You know, we had a lot of stuff to give away. Mark Ramchick won the the charity table, which was gur themed yes, for this year. Beautiful. As you would expect from Heath. Really, really pleased with the way that you know the the kind of bigger features turned out. Sure. The some of the just the small details he puts on all of that was really 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 impressive then as far as the awards overall for the event he had david blenner uh win him yeah. and isaiah were tied he won on the first tiebreaker which was favorite opponent votes he won with his mega gargants
0: yeah and i it was interesting i'd seen david around and i kind of knew him but i've never really had a chance to talk to him we talked constantly during the whole week and it was really fun we had drinks together on saturday night so it was kind of fun Good. just to hang out with him yeah, so Isaiah took
1: Best in Chaos with his Soup Legion of oh, the First Prince that so fun. list.
0: <laughs> That's
1: so fun. Mark Tobin took Best Order with his kind of Soupy Stormcast list. <laughs> yep. Haywo took Best Destruction yep. with his uh, Monster Trucks. Yep. And uh, Ben Timmerman took Best Death with his Nagash Bone Reapers. He's the one who won the, the Nagash off in yes. round four. So put him in the driver's seat to get that. Then we had Best Painted was Mike Butcher. Best sports was yeah. Patrick Brindelson. Yeah. Great. And then, you know, we had the whole list of, you know, kind of what we'll call the secondary awards, but Kenny Lull won the special snowflake award. Yes. For, <laughs> Kenny's
0: awesome. He's for, so
1: for going three and two with his underguts, Ogre Maw Tribes. <laughs> yes. That was like all lead belchers and all <laughs> iron blasters. And just, just the weirdest list. <laughs> there were probably four that we were pretty close between. And so what I like to do. Is going into round five we'll see all the people who are eligible so all the people who have won at least two games to that point mm-hmm. we'll go through their lists and you know we'll kind of get a short list and then we'll order it and we we'll are like look if this person goes two and three mm. or if the, sorry if this person goes three and two you know they get it and then we list it out in an order and i make sure that we always have a pick that if none of those people win, win their games, it, you know, at least there's somebody that we know that we like, Sure. you know, that gets there, you know, there've been times where we're like, you know, this person's at three and one, I don't know if they go three and two, I don't know oh. if that's any better than this person going, oh, sure. going three and two that we're like, okay, this person wins if they go three and two, but if this person goes four and one, <laughs> then we're going to have to have a discussion here. Right. You know, this one was nice because all of us, as, as we were talking about all the lists that we were eligible for, we were, all of us really liked kind of the strangeness that, that Kenny went with yeah in there you know he had a war stomper you know and all of his gun ogres so it was it was nice to see yeah it went well you know there wasn't too much high stakes drama to settle out a few questions on paint points and just some other little things that you're always kind of expecting but nothing major so okay a normal amount of rules questions it was good. Great. No personal vendettas that had to be mediated between... <laughs> no
0: duels outside the door yet. <laughs> uh, not this year.
1: Yeah, so it it went well. I'm glad we did it. I don't want to say quite yet I'm looking forward to getting next year's on the list, but when we come time to getting things squared away... It's, it was a good event to continue
0: building off of. Good. Yeah, it was great. So thank you again, and thank you to the crew who helped out. and Thank you for everybody. It was just a wonderful time talking to people, even if it was just for a second. I mean, Kyle, it's not like I didn't see him, but I just never had the time to even stop and say hello the first couple of days, mm-hmm. and it was like the end of the third day, or second day, and I'm like, Kyle, he's like, Dan, like, <laughs> where, where have you been? we talked for a couple of minutes, but it was really funny. Uh, and then just all the other people, people I'd played that I talked to later on, or were just sitting, you know, hanging out with and as always that's my favorite part of these events yeah is all the people and i'm really proud of the
1: player group that this event attracts maybe i'm a little bit biased to it right you know it is it's my event maybe i want to see the things that i think are being seen and you know it's sure It's a bit of a confirmation bias. I think this event attracts just kind of a different, gosh, what's the right word here? Attitude. Mm -hmm. Um, And it conveys itself in kind of just a very even keeled room. Mm -hmm. You you can tell people are just hanging out and having fun. And that's what I want out of it. And I'm really glad that, you know, the folks that really latch on to what I'm trying to do, Mm -hmm. uh, do. Yeah. And, you know, I intend to kind of keep it that way going forward. As you should. So, you know. Thank you to all of my attendees, right? You know, I'm not able to do this without, you know, those people that want to do it. And if I wasn't enjoying running it because of the, you know, the people that get their enjoyment out of it and, you know, are participating in the way that I had, you know, would hope, then, you know, I wouldn't do it. It's nice to have all of that together.
0: Wonderful. Well, let's move on then, Brendan. And we're going to hit up our regular parts of the show. And the next one is Scriptorium. Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. New releases, just a couple. Uh, They've just been trickling out of Black Library and some, just a lot of redux. You know, we got the two new things. One of them is Knights of Bretonia. It's like an omnibus. I think there's five or six stories. Okay. So if you're into Knights, you know, you're into Old World, that probably is a good read for you. And then the other one is called Grim Repast. It's uh, the new hero is Quillian Trask. It's a Warhammer crime novel in the city of V. That's what people are kind of calling it. I, I can't, I think people are calling it V because it's hard to pronounce, but almost all of the Warhammer crime books have been written in that venue, in that hive city. Again, if you've enjoyed some of the other Warhammer crime books, I'm sure this will be something that's a good read for you. I wonder if that's trying to build
1: towards, you know, like they're keeping it all in that one same city with all these same characters, mm. Same as a, you know, a loose term I use here, but they keep it in the same space within kind of a relatively similar timeline. I mm. wonder if there's like an overarching thing that they're going to start to kind of weave together with mm. these stories.
0: Other than listening to an audiobook, I don't know if there's any interaction between the stories of different characters that have been in other, like you're saying. You know, maybe this person meets this person or runs into this person or teams up with them that was in another book. I don't know if that's happening, but that's an interesting question. It's just one more thing to read and look at. So, Brendan, we got all our things. Mm Reads, listens, watches for you. And Netflix, I've been watching Untold
1: Stories. Some of them I haven't been super keen on, but two of them I really liked. These release on a weekly basis where they talk about stories within the sporting world. Okay. Uh, The first one, and I wish it had been like an hour longer, was the Malice at the Palace, Mm. where they actually show you. Uh, because they're out of the civil cases at this point in time. So they are able to speak publicly to what these these issues were. For those of you that don't know, in the uh, mid-2000s, the Indiana Pacers were playing at Detroit, and an incident ended up with players and fans fighting one another in what became a fairly sizable legal and civil battle. Obviously, here we are in 2021, and the civil cases have just finally resolved and the documentary spells out the entire timeline of everything that happened instead of just getting what was being shown which was an orientation from the league to of course um, in some way shape and form to vilify the players in terms of the actions that occurred very filtered. very filtered and when you see the whole unfiltered part of it you go oh (laughs) this is very different And, you know, they they talk about, you know, how it played out in court where the players were all regularly found to be not at fault. But if you had just watched the news clips and and all of that, you would assume that the players joined together and ran up into the stands and and did all these horrible things where, in reality, they were acting in a legal version of self-defense. And so seeing all of it, you know, rolled out was really cool. The other one I really liked was about a minor league hockey team in Dansbury, Connecticut, Okay, the Dansbury trashers that was owned by a mafioso and his 17 year old son was, was running the team. (laughs) So stupid. I'd never heard of it. It was just crazy. It was so wild. It was like that one was like a full two hours, and that one was great. Mm. There are some other ones in the series that I just really didn't get into very much, but those two I thought were absolutely fantastic. In terms of listens, one of my favorite podcast shows, The Dan Levitard Show with Stugatz, is a sports show based in Miami, and they recently had, recently, this was in January, had a separation with ESPN. There's some stuff that went on where dan wanted no longer to be part of that organization they had treated his staff in an inappropriate way. And, okay. and he said, screw it, I'm out. So they started their own media company. And as part of it, they've only recently, you know, been kind of building out what it is that this but is. But they've been look successful like. so far? They have been successful. That's wonderful. And they've been pulling in different creatives because they want to do kind of the sports thing a little bit differently. Sure. And they're able to because they're a smaller, more agile organization, and they got the former president of ESPN to run their organization. Oh, that's interesting. So they have recently pulled in a podcast that has existed for a long time and I didn't know about it, to do a special like after-action version of their podcast. So the show is called The Shutdown Fullcast, and they are a college football podcast. Oh, wow. You're going to love that. Oh, man. I have been listening to the show nonstop for about a week. <laughs> <laughs> That's great, man. Good, good. And it's called again? The Shutdown Fullcast, yes. the show that they do in relationship to Metal Ark Media, which is the name of the company for the Dan Levitard show, is the shutdown full cast after dark, where so after the college football games end for the night on Saturdays, you know, they go live and, you know, you don't have to sit there and listen to it at 1130 p.m. You can pick it up the next day. It's like, as we leave here, I see that it's downloaded and I'm going to get in my car and listen (laughs) to the episode from last night. It's four folks, you know, three guys and and a woman who talk sports. Well, and not really because they love college football for the same reason I do where it's pageantry and nonsense for the sake of nonsense mm. and you have all of these layers of things that are ridiculous and all of these That's machinations hilarious. that come together and they sit That's there and they funny. just they enjoy it by making fun of it. Okay. And cool. I have thoroughly enjoyed it. It has been an absolutely wild ride. And if you're not a college football person, they in the off season, not a lot of stuff happens in college football, but they still keep releasing episodes. Mm-hmm. They do other episodes about, you know, other things. So like they have you know, they'll ask their listeners to write in with stories about different things. So they have what are called, quote unquote, disaster episodes, where, you know, they'll send out a, a topic to the listeners and they're like, hey, give us all of your best school disaster stories. Oh, that's funny. And all know, anecdotal stuff. That's yeah, cool. it's all just crazy. All right. Really enjoyed. It has been really that's good. Wonderful. Uh, no what ideas. about you, Dan?
0: Oh, OK. I finished reading my Genevieve Omnibus, which was wonderful. It actually had a semi-happy ending, which was kind of fun for this Vampire, beautiful vampire who's been alive for like... Thousands of years You know She's been around forever And she's so different One of the reasons I like her as a character Than like Neferata Or you know um, Who was Manfred's sister Isabella Isabella yeah I mean you just You've had these stories About these other vampire You know female vampires Who are just brutal And and bloodthirsty And ruthless You know And you have Genevieve over here Now you don't mess with Genevieve Because she'll She'll cut your head off Sure But she's also got this Compassionate side And she's She's trying to defend people who are defenseless and she's got that other side and so she's really an interesting vampire character so I've really enjoyed that I'm starting a series I finished uh, last time I talked about finishing Dark Mechanicus the second you know, Grey Knights book mm-hmm. and so I'm starting Hammer of Demons which is my favorite of the three uh, but I'm also starting a series called the first book is Rise of the Rangers I think it's called the Echo Sagas but it's basically kind of humans elves kind of a thing but it sounded really interesting so I got the first book just to try it just like I did with a uh, mercenary thing I don't know what it's going to be like it's 12 books in the series but it's a hard copy rather than an ebook or listening because I always like having a dead tree book to read so I'm kind of alternating between my Grey Knights in this book kind of trying to read both parallel uh, because I'm just taking a break you know from one or the other sure and so far it's been really interesting so I'll let you know more listens I'm starting to listen to Return of Nagash which has been fascinating I just, you know, I'm at the point of the story where Arkin and Manfred, like, run into each other across a bridge. And so the first thing is, Arkin throws a couple little spells... Manfred just like deflects them and throws a couple back and then an hour later they're like throwing spells at each other and it's really serious and they're both still doing it and then like another hour or two hours later the undead are starting to rise out of the river and and they're throwing undead at each other it's just hilarious to hear this back and forth and they can't do anything to either one it's just like this pointless confrontation it's just it's really cool though really cool story with characters either love or you hate but that's been really good. I know it's going to take me a while because my hobby is so slow-tracked, and that's when I usually listen to stuff. But I'm trying to pick it up while I'm cooking or doing something else around the house, and I'll get through it. But it's been really, really enjoyable. Sure. Watching yesterday, I talked to you before the show about this, but I had, with three of my my sons, I we had a John Wick movie marathon. So we watched all three John Wick movies back-to-back, and it was amazing to a watch those movies again. It was great. We went from like 4 till I think, 10.30. We had barbecue. We cooked out and just sat and had some beer and talked through these movies and it's funny because we're all pretty familiar with you know guns and weapons and carrying and all the accessories and things and how you reload and do these things and we were just like being critical you know and without even thinking about it it wasn't we weren't being vindictive it just kind of came out like there's no way that was a movie thing and finally ah so you watch (laughs) it the same way I watch Pacific Rim and I go (sighs) ah it's crazy yeah and nick was finally he goes you know what we would be horrible to watch these movies with if it was anybody but us we had a great time so that was fun and then i'm watching every episode of cowboy bebop i finished the first five it's such a great show you gotta watch it i mean but it's so different like after you watch the first one you'll know if you're gonna like it or not in the title people have been you know, a couple of people have emailed and asked where the title come from well bebop is a style of jazz And the cowboy reference is they're mercenaries, and they're called, quote, cowboys. That's what their nickname is. Mm. It starts out with this really cool, you hear this bass playing in the back, and you hear, you know jazz instruments and Spike is like let's go and all of a sudden the music just lights off and just the minute and a half introduction song if you haven't heard it you should like watch it on YouTube or something that'll tell you what kind of a show it is Um, but it is anime and it is fun and the characters are amazing and yeah so it's really good and I'm really enjoying watching that while I'm working out I get through about an episode and a half by the time I finish but that's great two things on Netflix that there are trailers for that I'm kind of looking forward to watching the first one is The Fourth Matrix in fact we were just talking about it last night Uh, it's called Resurrections interesting that they're making this now we were kind of asking like why now it's been a long time since the third Matrix movie the good news is that Keanu Reeves and I'm trying to think her name is Carrie and I can't think of her last name who played Trinity in the first movie or or in this so at least they got two of the best characters have come back But it looks interesting. You watch the trailer and you you can decide. But I'm looking forward to at least giving it a try. And then the other one is a really interesting trailer for a World War II story called The Forgotten Battle. Most people, of course, aren't aware of this, but the Allies really needed after D-Day to get a major port that they could bring their supplies in through. And they were having a hell of a time capturing the channel ports like Boulogne and some of the others because the Germans had literally just turned these things into fortresses. Because obviously. Yeah, because obviously. Admiral Ramsey and a couple other British senior British officers went to Montgomery and said, let's capture Antwerp. We can do it. I'll take the Navy in there and we're going to take, we need these you know, military units like army units and we can take Antwerp. If we take it, before the Germans have a chance to fortify the estuary leading up to it, we can get in there and get it done. Well, Montgomery, who screwed up in Market Garden, and he's, hes of course, I've mentioned this before, my he's yeah, one of the a, biggest screw-ups. Dan has
1: a deep vendetta against a man who died a long time ago and This guy in,
0: just in a war in which he never fought. And anymore. so many people died because he was an idiot. So he's like, it, he would not commit these few resources relatively that he needed to take Antwerp because he was so worried about Market Garden. And making sure that was successful, even though it was a total flop. Real good job on that so, one. Yeah, right? So if he had taken Antwerp, it would have made a huge difference. But this particular thing, and the reason it's called the Forgotten Battle, is they ended up having to take the estuary. And there was a major like fortification on the, uh, I think it's called the Shelled estuary. And there was this causeway that was like a mile long that they had to cross to get to this fortress. And it's about them going over this causeway and trying to break through. And so they created some other pieces around it. But it it looks really cool. That sounds you, that sounds super interesting. If you're into World War II. And again, it's something most people it, don't know about. And it's a about. movie? Or is it it's, a, it's like a movie, yeah. Okay, and it's, it's, yeah. It's, so it's a movie, not a documentary. It is of. a movie, yeah. Okay. So uh, it's called The Forgotten Battle. But it looks, looks really, really cool. Uh, and then, of course, the big thing is that in five weeks... Dragonfall. Dune is coming Uh out. That ranks. I know this sounds bizarre, listeners, and Brendan, but it ranks above RockCon for me. And you know how much I love RockCon. I'm really looking forward to this remake and seeing what they're going to do with it. So you're going to take time out of RockCon to go see it? In I'm going to have to wait until the week after. But remember, you said it was
1: more important, Dan. Yeah,
0: but remember, Dan is retired, so I can go anytime I want the week after. It's true and During the day or whatever So I'm really looking forward to that And, and then of All of your matinee shows To update you guys On my wife Cindy's reading And a couple of other listeners I'm getting some nice emails From people they are like Why are you talking about Your wife Cindy reading We know she's part of the audience But the reason Not today I, though No she's she's visiting her mom Back east But it's because she's reading Warhammer books mm-hmm. I'm not going to talk about The other books she reads I mean so, we can if you want But like but write no. the show I, <laughs> One of the things that I won At Bruce City and the raffle Was I won three books And they were all like On the buses mm-hmm. But one of them I won, was about the vampire Ulrika, who was captured by vampires. She was turned into a vampire, and she's trying to figure out what her place is in the world now because she wasn't always a vampire like the Von Karsteads or whatever. I gave it to Cindy. I was like, well, maybe, you know, another female character you'd like this. Before I know it, I look over and it's like, she's halfway through this thing. And it's like two inches thick. It's sure. huge. It was like, great. She saw found out something she likes. But that's really cool. And I won it at the raffle. So that was really fun. All right. Reading is over. Brendan, it is time for our five questions. Yeah.
1: Okay. I'm going to go first. Mine are, I don't want to say kind of
0: lame, but... Never, man.
1: Yeah, so show behind the show. Uh, normally, we have Jersey Mike's for lunch. Yeah. We did not have Jersey Mike's for lunch today. I was very concerned. Dan,
0: hot dogs or hamburgers? Hot dogs all day. Love hot dogs. Okay. Even yeah, though absolutely. you had both. I did have both today, yeah. So listeners, just to put that in some context, I texted Brendan earlier this week, and it was like, we're going to have Chinese food. Are you okay with that? And he was like, well, I don't want it hot. And so I was like, it won't be. Don't worry about this. Well, well, because you had offered me specifically curried chicken. Curried chicken, yeah. And you were concerned. And then I added orange beef to the menu. But then after our cookout yesterday, all the food didn't get eaten. So then we had hamburgers, hot dogs, and pulled pork, too. In addition to... So we had like a whole buffet. So yeah, I would take the
1: hot dogs. Very full. Bruce City Brawl 2022. Mm. 3,000 points or 2,500
0: points? 3,000. Okay. Go for it. Yeah. I think if you're going to do it, just do it. If, if you're going to go over two thousand, just commit to the big game. And it worked out fine. People found models to bring and things to do. And I don't know that the ex, the taking the five hundred off is going to make a huge difference, honestly. So yeah, go for it, man. Okay. Please. Well, I'm glad I have your permission. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so now you've played it three tournaments under three point. I said right please now. anyway. Yeah. Yeah. You have a
0: favorite mission that you've liked playing in tournaments so far? I'm always going to stick with Savage Games, hmm. even. It's just such a great mission that I think both people, no matter what they're bringing, I think have an equal chance of winning because you have ways to slow people down or stop them or do a lot of things if they're taking a the big stuff. If you have some teleport tricks, you have ways to grab things and push things. I, I just like that mission. I think it's good all around. Okay. Yeah. Obviously, your five opponents, you
1: know, this last weekend, of those five lists that you played against, What was the list that you would have wanted to play, to have played yourself in a tournament and just give you the army?
0: Not Nighthawk, because I played them.
1: It has to be that list specifically, though.
0: I don't know. I think I would like to try that daughter's list. Okay. Yeah, I mean, because it had Marathi. Hey, GO Trek. She's <laughs> a little redhead. And just the shooty snakes have so many possibilities of things you can do with them. A lot of firepower. If, if you play with them the right way, you can do a lot with that if you position them correctly and stuff. And so I think that'd be interesting. Okay. I really do. Yeah.
1: My last question, and this is not a question of the book itself or our pending review of them. Okay. Which of the two are you more excited to see on the table across from you? After this new book release, Warclans or Stormcast?
0: Okay, I have no interest in playing Warclans or Cruel Boys. None. I it just P- doesn't playing do anything as far. them. Yeah, playing as them. Playing against them, I would like to play against Warclans again. Okay, I mean my game against Kevin. I have not played that many Warclans armies. Well, no, I shouldn't say that because I played in my fourth game at Nashcon. I played. Uh, war my Iron Jaws. Yeah. So I would like to see them again, but with the new Spice and see how that looks. And you, you've talked about some things you did and want to do with them. Uh, yeah. So I think I'd rather play against cruel, the Cruel Boys thrown into War Clans.
1: Okay.
0: Yeah. That's it. Those are my five My first question is <laughs> related to that. Okay. From what you have seen so far, mm-hmm. you are given a $1,000 gift certificate. Wow. And you can choose to either. Now, let's assume you don't have either book. Stormcast or... You have no models from either book. I know you have some stuff. Let's assume you have Just nothing. Just a few things. You have nothing. Okay. Starting from scratch. No. Are you going to use that thousand to buy Warclans or Stormcast? Interesting.
1: Uh, $1,000 to start a new army, Warclans or Stormcast? Stormcast? I think I would still do... War Clans if I had nothing. It's not that I think Stormcast are boring. I just think that like by and large is a book where the average play style, at least that I have seen to this point, is kind of just
0: uninteresting to me. Okay. So you have a choice between listening to podcasts, listening slash watching videocasts like YouTube or whatever Mm -hmm. else it is. Which would you prefer to do?
1: podcast. The video part to me is usually unimportant. I mean, almost what always ends up happening is I end up turning my phone down or, you know, like I have I'll have my tablet just in whatever room and I'm going to go do whatever other thing I was going to go do. Mm -hmm.
0: I have a hard time watching a screen where it's the same people and there's nothing wrong with seeing the same people Mm. for two or three hours but as you said i don't have to watch them to know what they're saying or what they're talking about yeah
1: there needs to be like a compelling meaningful visual element for me to i would agree sit there and and watch
0: okay fair enough i think people would be bored to death watching us (laughs) i think so (laughs) so uh next thing so would you rather watch a World War 2 movie or a World War 2 documentary? Probably a documentary. Why? I
1: guess I'm secretly like 80 years old. <laughs> uh yeah.
0: I'm not there yet.
1: I'm part of it is my orientation towards the world is I always want to be learning stuff mm. and not to say that a movie can't teach you something. Mm. But when you're watching a movie, you have to, and or a TV series for that matter, there's a certain amount of creative liberty that have to go into creating that movie to oh, be able sure. to tell a story absolutely. Effectively. Absolutely. Right? So one of my favorite shows is Chernobyl. One of the things that they did from an effectiveness storytelling perspective is one of the characters is entirely made up. But mm-hmm. that character, she represents all of the scientists that, mm-hmm. you know, that were working. It would be impossible for this one person to know all these things. Right, of course. But she represents all of the scientists that were involved in the response to the Chernobyl disaster. I would much rather have something where the orientation is less towards creative liberties and more towards as much of the truth as humanly possible in that storytelling, understanding that there is going to be a specific thing that is trying to be told in it. And, you know, you could watch two documentaries on the same subject that pull different, you know, facts from the matter and your understanding is going to shift in a different direction. But that's very different from something that is designed for strict entertainment purposes and yes. dollars.
0: Right. Okay. This is where I turn it around on you Uh-oh. Uh, due to you what you've done to me with that oh, no. sports question. Oh. Who do you think will be the f- two teams in the NBA finals this year? The NBA finals. We're going to go with the Milwaukee Bucks. Mm. I mean, that's fine with me. You know, NBA there's happens. there's no
1: homerism in that at all. <laughs> And I really, really like what the Utah Jazz have done from a, oh, yeah. I was going to say army list composition standpoint, but from a, from a roster construction perspective, I think they've done some of the things that they need to do to shore up what was their playoff weaknesses. Sure. I don't know if they're still a year away from that. The way the NBA seems to work is you have to suffer for a period of time before you're allowed to make it through. They I don't know. it's big show. Yeah. I don't know that they have enough of the kind of like playoff veteran guys on their team. Hmm. But in terms of like what their roster does differently now than what it did before, I think it's a better playoff team as a result. So yeah. I've
0: always liked the Jazz. I mean, this last year, I remember hmm. you asking me the question and they were one of my picks for the finals. And yeah, I was disappointed when they lost so early. Yeah. From, from an X's and O's perspective with
1: the Jazz, Rudy Gobert is a very good Player okay. In the regular season. All right. But he can be schemed off the floor defensively in ah. a seven-game series. So they need to have a player that they can rely on at the center position to force different lineups that make it an unpalatable thing to try and run a lineup that runs him off the floor. Mm-hmm. But because they don't have they didn't have that player before, the jazz were never able to force you know that lineup to be where it needed to be. The jazz were the ones that were being forced to change their lineup mm. and the coach was too stubborn to pull him off the floor <laughs> and make the counter change. And so for the rest of you know the series, like the Clippers did one of the wildest things I've ever seen in basketball, which is they just went five quote unquote shooters, five smaller guys and they just, they just shot all day. They mm-hmm. said, okay, great. You're a terrific rim defender. Neat. We're just not going to go there.
0: <laughs> we're not coming to you. Yeah. We're going to yeah. stay out here. Yeah. <laughs> You've got
1: to come to us. And if you come to us, then there's no one back this there to is protect a shooting the rim. Army. This yeah. is a
0: shooting army. And you better come to us because we're not coming to you. There's no one there to protect the rim. And
1: now we're going to score at will under the basket. Sure. So cool. I like what they did from a roster perspective.
0: Wonderful. Okay. Then the last one is you have chosen to play Stormcast. Okay. This is hypothetical, obviously, listeners. You have to choose between the Stormguard, the dragons, or Fulminators. This is for a competitive, you want to win the
1: tournament list. So this is, you know, again, behind the scenes. This is something that Dan and I were talking about in terms of that new Stormcast book. Some of the things that we found particularly compelling and interesting in there. And Dan and I both agreed that Fulminators were crazy. Pretty nuts. (laughs) Uh (laughs) Gosh, without the games under my belt, it's very difficult. Just shoot from the hip. I think the dragons. Okay. It's a lot of investment, right? So you know, the four man is you know, 285 points per two. So that's uh, 570 points for the four of them. If you get them to battle line, you can take six, but that brings your investment up to 800 points, mm-hmm. which is pretty steep. And then, you know, you have all the support pieces
0: that get there and go. You probably need to take the Lord, yeah, on the dragon and
1: yeah Lord on the dragon
0: wizards other stuff priests
1: there's just a, a lot, lot of, of pieces and then obviously the rest of the army to function the fact that you know you can get them to to be 24 inch moving the fact that you can get them as powered up as you can get them sure. the shooting attacks to su- at range or move the support pieces of your opponents there's just a lot of stuff I think is the easiest way of putting it that going to be a very tall order to beat where with the fulminators, their greatest weakness in comparison is their inability to fly on their war scroll. Mm-hmm. So you, Dan, can just say, "Okay, you know this is a roughly 500 point unit that you have going here. That on the charge will destroy anything, but off the charge is basically nothing." You can throw a unit of 10, 20 chainrass in there—a markedly smaller investment than mm-hmm. than what your opponent has made—and you just go, "You're stuck here now. You can't leave." You can't even retreat because there's no way out. You're stuck in here with me kind of a thing. I just
0: held from my hundred points. Just held your 500 points up. Right. Yep. Okay.
1: That's not something that you can do with the dragons. The steps that you would have to go through to lock the dragons into fights that Mm. they don't want to be in is much different, quite a lengthier and more complicated process. Okay. And not necessarily worth it.
0: Okay. Fair enough. Dragons it is. All right, Brendan, we're ready to close the show. There is something going on around here. Something you may not even know about. Episode 82. You've waited all this time to hear what we are going to do for books next episode in a couple weeks, we hope. Um, Obviously, there's two books that
1: have to be reviewed. we are going to do both of them at the same time, talking (laughs) over each other. Good luck.
0: (sighs) Woo! Ooh, teaser, yeah, really we we, we
1: we actually have not decided
0: We, this is another behind-the-scenes thing We talked today for quite a length before we started recording Like, what do you think? And we're like, we don't know yet So we honestly don't know We do know we will be recording either War Clans or Stormcast next episode Look forward to that, whatever it is Brendan, if we decide, maybe we'll just have you tweet it out Or some, some people have an idea mm-hmm. But we just don't know, guys uh, And the good news is that we have at least a couple more episodes of Battle Tomes, And maybe by that time, we will have some work on the chaos book that's supposed to come out in uh, October yeah Yeah. we'll see about that we'll see that right if that happens but that's at least a couple episodes we have to talk about and and we may have other things we'll have events we've been to we could talk about and those kind of things as well it's all good thank you for joining us for the ride again and we hope you are staying safe and healthy Brendan thank you as always for being part of this craziness and thank you you guys take care and we will see you next time around bye this is the Hey